Check the podcast. Join the podcast. Timmy's podcast. Woo! Hello, friends. How's it going? Hope you're doing well. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into Timmy's podcast. I'm your host, Timmy, and this is my podcast. Uh, this podcast, and I'll just tell you a little bit about what Timmy's podcast is, is a podcast where I sit down with people who. I think are interesting in my lives, and we just sit down, we talk about, you know, what they do and what they're about, and uh, most of the time, we're just chit-chatting, we're just having conversations, and I'm storing memories, and you guys are listening in on my memories, and I'm thankful that you guys are here along for the ride. So if this is your first podcast, if this is your last podcast, if this is a podcast that you're going to listen to continually, hey, I appreciate you no matter what. Um, I've got a really great one today. And I sat down with my buddy, uh, Matt Whitney, Matthew Whitney, or Cooper Flanagan, as he is known on the IMDb, and his roommate, Phil Lorenz. Um, and we sit down and we just start chatting about what Matt does and what, what Phil does and kind of how they are together. But Matt is an actual film director uh, for films based in the Midwest. And so he's done a documentary that I've watched uh, called The Last Apostle. I absolutely loved it. Um, we're going to plug it in this, but I'm going to plug it now. Uh, guys, it was amazing. I really learned so much about Turkey and just some really great things. And um, yeah, so I've known Matt actually since, ooh, I don't know, maybe I was 18, 19. So I've known him for a while and he lives in the same neighborhood that I do. And we actually go to church together. Same with Phil. I've known Phil for a couple years, lived in the same neighborhood, go to church together. Um, so it was cool just to sit down and Matt and I actually hang out every Wednesday at our life group together. And so, um, you know, we talk a lot and I thought it would just be great to hear some of his his stories and his life experiences. And I think you guys really be interested. Um, but I also just wanted to capture this memory. It was well worth it. So guys, um, you know, I'll stop talking, but enjoy this conversation. We had so much fun and it's a long one, but, um, when I start talking guys, I can't stop talking. It's, I just love it. Who knows? I just love it. So, all right, I'll stop talking now, but, um, yeah, enjoy my podcast with Phil and Matt. Well, we're rolling guys. Thanks for coming. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. no, this is exciting. I uh, love podcasts. So. <laughs> First one ever. Seriously? Yeah. Wait, really? Yep. You know? Okay, well, I'm glad. Well, you've done my brother's a couple times. No, I haven't. Well, you've done his radio dramas. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Which is a lot different, but yeah. So your brother does radio stuff? He does He does a, two different podcasts, and then he does a radio drama um, that uh, Phil and I both do voice work for, so... Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it's He's cool. For, uh, what, Stranger Things. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a spinoff show that he wrote about. The, I don't know if you watched the show. But Stranger the, Things. Yeah. yeah. So the detective Murray like, Bauman, yeah. the private private detective, he wrote a like pulp 1940s like crime noir style radio drama where everything's like over you know explained. There's way too much narration and it's great. And yeah, I I voice I voice Ted the dad and I voice um, uh, the police officer uh, Callahan. The really obnoxious, like, eight-foot-tall one who's like, well, okay, guys, I guess I understand what's going on here, but can you can you just slow it down today? We're trying to all be law-abiding citizens here. So, yeah. I think, I think I was Lucas. You were Lucas, yeah. <laughs> the 14-year-old black child. No He way. also voiced... You voiced some other people. I think mm. you've been the bully kid before. Yep, 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 yeah, yeah. And 
I feel like you've been somebody else, but I don't remember. Maybe. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done one, but yeah. Does he do, do they like go regularly on um, the radio? He something? used to do them a lot more often than he does today. Um, and then whenever there's a new season of Stranger Things, we he and I will re- review every single episode the day they come out. Like we'll literally watch them, watch an episode, record a podcast, watch an episode, record a podcast, and do it for about 20 hours straight. Oh, wow. And then we go back a couple months later and we do more in-depth reviews. And then whenever he goes to like conventions and meets people, he'll do one. He probably will do one soon because the movie we were just on, Joe Crest, who plays Ted, was in the movie. And my brother came to be his... He was on Moondance? No, no, no. On yeah. the one that I just went to oh, Ohio, Ohio for. It's called The Crayon. I was the first AD on it. And um, yeah, Joe Crest was like the villain in it. And so my brother came and was his personal assistant for the two days he was on set. That's so I imagine he'll do cool. a podcast about his experience with him. Because then you can talk about that. And then if he goes to... The, yeah. All right, before we introduce yourselves. Oh, and so... Then, yeah, and then we'll continue. Okay. I'm Matt Whitney. I'm Phil Lorenz. And what do you guys do? Yes, both do different things. Yeah, you go first, Phil. Uh, I'm a butcher. In is it Niles? No, uh, Edwardsburg. Uh, it's on twelve. Place called Union, Michigan. Union, Michigan. He's also a world class actor, a crafter. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, a SoundCloud rapper. That was right. Oh, yeah, you're a SoundCloud yeah, rapper. Yeah, I had a couple songs with SoundCloud. No way. Yeah. I don't remember what my name was, so I can't find them. So good luck finding them. <laughs> That's the best. Uh-huh. I have a couple of friends who are SoundCloud rappers who have been there. Yeah, noise. Noise. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then I, yeah. Uh, that's about it. No. <laughs> that's, that's quite a few that's things, cool, though, though, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. And then Matt? Uh, what do I do? I'm, I'm, I, li- I recently started saying I get to tell stories for a living, which is a lot of fun, and it sounds super bougie and ridiculous, but, you know, it's okay. Yeah, I make movies, so... Um, all aspects of that, I write them, I direct them, I act in them, write music for them, I do, uh, I edit them, produce them, all sorts of stuff. I just work on movies. Yeah. I get to do it all the time, and it's great. Specifically, like, you said Midwest when we were talking last time, it's very niche in this area. Yeah, yeah, I do stuff in the Midwest, which is great, because, like, I lived in L.A. for a while, and I didn't like it as a place to make movies. It's like you get to work on other people's movies forever. You never get to make yeah. your own movies. Yeah. And here in the Midwest, I've made three now. Like, just cause it's not. Yeah. But the... what about the non GMO vegetables? <laughs> it's the most important part of living in LA. <laughs> and the vegetables are non GMO. Just everything is health conscious yeah. and super, you know, I've super heard that. Bougie, super hippie. The pizza, uh, vegan, everything's vegan. Everything's vegan. Everything's fusion. There's literally no three-star Michelin restaurants in L.A. because no one's good at making authentic food. Everything <laughs> is fusion. And, I mean, it's good. There's great food in L.A. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's great taco trucks. There's great, you know, stuff. Like I said, there's not great pizza. Their pizza's terrible. Um, they make, like, authentic, like, Sicilian pizza, which is, like, paper-thin crust and then real poofy on the edges. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, um, was it Venturi? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Sicilian pizza, yeah. yeah. And then they put the weirdest toppings on it, like weird fancy meats, which are fine. They taste good, but they're weirder, like a whole fried egg. Like prosciutto. Prosciutto, prosciutto yeah. yeah. Stuff like Hamon. that. Hamon. Yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. it's weird. And I want pizza. Like, if, I, if I'm going to eat pizza, I don't want it to be healthy. I want to die eating yeah. my pizza, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so... Yeah, anyway, LA, it's that. fine, but it's not for me. Yeah. And I came back to the Midwest and now I get to make movies on my own, you know, how how I want to make them with the people I like to make them with in the Midwest, which is the place I like to be and it's great. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing since 2015. Since so. 20 Wow. Yeah. Yes. I graduated, moved to LA, 
last a whole seven weeks and came back here. <laughs> and I went back. I actually moved back and lived there for almost six months, but it was just, yeah. not what you wanted. Nah, yeah. yeah, and cost of living is pretty high, too. It's terrible. I had I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with three other people. Oh. Yep. Two guys lived in the living room, and two of us were in the bedroom. Oh, wow. So I'd be, like, cooking breakfast and just looking at two dudes sleeping on the couches in the living room. Oh, that's You never fun. invited people over because it was just weird. It was like, you want to sit on my roommate's bed and watch TV? <laughs> So you just go out and do stuff. Just go out, yeah. which then makes it even more expensive. Yeah. Because it's like 20 bucks to go see a movie. Oh, my word. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know Gas I is like $5 a gallon. I was in LA and um, we went out to a bar and it was like $20 for one beer. I'm like, well, I'm what? doing this. Maybe Dude. it might have been 12 Still, yeah. Still, that's so 12 crazy, was yeah. like, yeah. So didn't really yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't go out much when I'm in LA. Yeah. Uh, although these days when I go, it's on, you know, I'm on like a work trip or vacation, so than I do because it's yeah, fun and yeah. it's like a week but that and four, almost $14 for a pack of cigarettes that's true that's crazy yeah. shame on you LA shame. shame on you yeah LA's rough let LA's me die rough. in peace <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy it's the classiest way to commit suicide $14 for a pack of cigarettes what, what's it here like six five six or seven yeah. six or seven yeah Oh, come on. You can get Cheyennes for, what, a dollar? Two. Two? Yeah, Cheyennes Wait, do you, do you smoke Cheyennes before? Oh, yeah. Well, I have. Not not regularly, no, yeah, but yeah. I have. I think, they're, what are they called? Change change cigarettes? Oh, yeah, something? my change cigarettes. Change, change cigarettes. cigarettes. That's great. Cigarettes, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. No, we smoked yeah. a lot of those during Moondance. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. The, the cherry ones, they're not that bad. You know? Yeah. They're a little, those like, flavored ones, like not too. I like the, uh, the, uh, what are they called? the full flavored ones. The full flavored ones? Are those the ones that Chase would get? I think so. Okay. I don't know. But they're they're like the strongest ones, so for like two dollars, I mean you're basically smoking two, three cigarettes in one of these. Oh wow! Oh. Knock you right on your butt. That's great. Yeah. No, I don't want to puke. No, can I you. pause for one second and turn my chair? Because yeah, I feel dude, like every no, time I talk to Phil, for it. Yeah. I'm not facing the. What, whatever anymore. you're feeling like, I'm not gonna pause it. It's just gonna. Okay. Be I just meant like pause the conversation. I like Hang it. on one second. I did forget. I also have another job. Dude. Yeah. A hundred times better. Uh, yeah. There we go. Do everything he tells me to do, like drive truck, yell at passersby, uh, hide bodies. <laughs> he doesn't hide bodies for me, allegedly. But he does Except for do that one else. time, allegedly. <laughs> but no, yeah, Phil does a lot of good stuff on film sets and deals with all my craziness. How you, you can't see me, but I'm winking. <laughs> <laughs> for the, your first podcast, you're doing a great job. <laughs> How'd you guys meet? Uh, you guys- church youth group. Years ago, like what, 15, 15 years ago now? Okay. Yeah. Year of Our Lord, 2008. <laughs> Something like that. It had to be more than, no, no, 15 years ago. So 2005. Oh, I was 12. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Where'd you go? Because you went to Jefferson. That's how I know. Yeah, you. but it was before Jefferson, even. Mm-hmm. It was Porter Baptist in Constantine, Michigan. Wow. Tiny little. Technically. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Technically, yeah. Tiny little church in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we met there, didn't stay in touch super well for a while, got back in touch in like high school age. Then I went off to college and was lame and didn't talk to anyone from back home because I was off at college. And then, yeah, now we live together and it's the best. Well, we hung out just about every time you came back. I mean, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I started going back or I started going to youth group there. Oh, my junior year, maybe. Okay. Yeah, so that like that's when we really started to become friends again. Because I'm pretty sure the first time I met you was on the bus. Remember that little 15 passenger van thing, the bus? Oh, that was a terrifying. We had this crazy youth pastor who would drive this thing. It was like not quite a 15 passenger bus. It was like a little it's bigger. Like an Amish it, was like, it was like a little yeah. mini school bus almost. Oh yeah, okay. okay kind of. 
the this dude would drive at like a hundred miles an hour down county bus. roads. Yeah, basically, yeah. like literally. I'm not exaggerating when I say like a hundred miles an hour down county roads, Jeez. going to pick everybody up because he'd pick everybody up for youth group on what, Wednesdays or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He'd just go from place to place. Yeah, it was so irresponsible. At that point, there was what like close to like forty kids. Oh yeah, it was a big in a deal. Room that could hold ten. Yeah, oh wow. Big, we had a, we had a band and everything. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. The old people upstairs did not like us. <laughs> Isn't that how old? The boomers. The boomers. <laughs> so then how did you move to Goshen? Or just get connected? You just said, hey, I need a roommate. Well, I knew everybody in Goshen. And he was living in Shipshwana, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was living with my brother. Move a little closer. Or, or either you can grab the mic and just oh, hold yeah. it. Pretend like you're on SoundCloud rapping. My chubby, heavy, heavy breathing. No, dude. No, you're fine. Yeah. One time I didn't have a proper mic stand, so I put my mic on my boom pole for like production thing, and I just like held it like this on the ground. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was living in Shipshawana with his brother, and I was, uh, I wanted to move. I was living with my parents, and I wanted to move out with my mom. I wanted to move out, and I wanted to move to Goshen because I knew everyone in Goshen. Yeah. And, yeah. So you just out. guys made it work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was Time interesting. What, because right after we moved in is when you started really looking into, like, you were starting Moondance. Like, so I was really never home. In. So I would see you like once a month. Yeah. Like, I mean, at least the first six, seven months. Yep. I never saw him. It's like I lived by myself. Because I moved in it's in May nice. and, uh, and then went to Cancun like two weeks after I moved in. And then I was off working. I was like prepping the movie all summer. And then, yeah, we started in September. And then I literally did not stay at my apartment a single night during the movie. So that was wow. 28 days. And he didn't either much. He just stayed at my mom's with me because he would drive me everywhere. It was great. Right. I slept on that. What is it? Like, it's not quite a It's couch. a love seat. Oh, he slept on a love seat. seat. Yeah. Really? I slept on the floor. <laughs> so a number on the back for both of us. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that would really mess. Yep. That's your back up. Yep. There were a couple nights that I got tired of sleeping on the floor. So I would go out. I had this giant UPS truck that was part of the production. And uh, there was a mattress in the back of it because it was like it was a prop or whatever. And so I just like lay the mattress down and sleep in the back of this giant truck on the wow. mattress. It was great. Wow. Yep. Yeah. What? So when did you guys move in? Like, was this? It was this May was like, of 2018. We moved in. Wow. Okay. So it's only been like a uh, not, uh, a it little just over a year. Two and years. Yeah. 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 And it's still the longest I've lived anywhere <laughs> since moving out of my parents' oh, house. Yeah. Since uh, since I graduated high school, this is the longest I've ever stayed anywhere. Yeah. And by far the longest. Like after graduating after after graduating college, the longest I lived anywhere other than my parents' house was like five months in LA. So yeah. say what you want about living in a one bedroom apartment with another dude, it's a thousand times better than sleeping in the back of a Lincoln Town car. Just gonna say. You slept in the back of a Lincoln Town oh, yeah. car? Just, just cause, or well, I'm a degenerate. So I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good with money or things. So without this guy, who knows where I'd be? Oh, uh, that's awesome. What'd you do after high school? Job after job, pretty much. Yeah, you're college too. Well, yeah, I went to college for a year. I not right to, after, right? Or was it right? It was after? a year after. Okay. I took a year and then. Someone, I don't remember who, but somebody convinced me to go back to school. Did that for a year. Thought I wanted to be a teacher. Got bit by a, a student. I was shadowing a class. Some kid asked, looked like he needed help, and walked up to him, tried to help him. Turns out he just wanted to bite somebody. Oh my so, goodness! So I decided maybe that's not for me. Yeah. 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 Good call. Honestly, that's a little crazy. Yeah. Yep. He's much better suited to the movie life. And yeah. the butchering life. The butchering life. The getting rid of bodies. 
You have the skills too if you need to get rid of a body. Probably not. Why do you think I'm keeping him around, <laughs> Just uh, allegedly. Uh, yeah. This is off the record, right? This is, yeah, no, there's not. Do no. not. How do behind. microphones work? Do not go into the back of Gary's Meats because there's definitely no bodies there. There's nothing to see. You're good. Don't do it. <laughs> also, shout out to Gary's Meats if you want some delicious meats up in, uh, what is it? You said Constantine? Union. It's in Union, Union Michigan. Union, Michigan. Gary's Custom Meats. Yeah. If you want to, you know, is that on 12? Some big burly men. That's where mm-hmm. to go. Is yeah. that on 12? Yeah, it's like right, right off 12. Right off 12. If you are heading out of Union, you will pass a billboard. Once it's too late to get to Gary's Custom Meats, <laughs> <laughs> the billboard is past the street that you have to turn on to get there. It's wonderful. Because uh, it's, it's the only billboard in town. Gotcha. But it's like on the outskirts of town. It's great. It, we've been there. For, I mean, my grandpa opened that shut up like 30, 40 years ago. Something wow. Like that. So it's been around for a minute. But it's like you have to, it's like right off of 12, but you have to like go onto a side street. So no one can ever find it. Oh, gotcha. It's a miracle that we're in business. <laughs> I don't know how I have It's all right. Yeah. That's part it's of good it. good times. Yeah. That's good crazy. Times. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So Moondance. Tell Moon me about Moondance. Moon Dance. Are, you, are you an actor in Moondance? Briefly. I, yeah, yeah. I, I did a couple of like yeah. quick scenes. It's actually I was... how I convinced him to be in the, to come work on the movie. <laughs> I, I, I bribed him with, a, with an acting role. No, I did. Uh, I mostly drove like the equipment around. I was like the, the what would you call it? Transportation. Yeah, transportation supervisor. Oh, supervisor. Supervisor. <laughs> he supervised himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, because we had a giant like imagine like a horse trailer. We had okay. like a big yep. trailer full of equipment. So he had that hooked up to a big pickup truck, and he drove that everywhere. And then oh, that's nice. And then he usually drove me too because I that was the only time I got to sleep was driving from like spot set to, to home and stuff so wow he would just i would ride in the passenger seat and sleep in the truck with him it was great um yeah. don't forget you saved my ass because literally the day before uh filming a lady pulled out in front of me and totaled my car i mean it was like a 400 hundred dollar car i bought for my dad it was like a buick that like the bumper was held together by uh zip ties yep so yep i hit that lady destroyed it. i had no vehicle so he's just like hey Drive this truck around. Also, here's some money. Help me with my movie. That's cool. So yeah, it worked out that, perfect. That worked yeah. out really cool. Also, there was like two days where he had this dope uh, like luxury sedan because oh, the yeah. insurance paid for him to have a rental car for a couple days so he could get around, which he didn't need it because uh-huh. he had the truck, but he just drove this like ridiculously high-end sedan for like two That's days. It was cool, great. Actually. He just like rolled it into set day one and everyone's like, who's this dude? Yeah. <laughs> it was great. That's, uh... He deals with my bodies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no. So the, the to touch on what he did, like acting wise, this movie is about a film crew making a movie. Okay. Right. So like, there are scenes that are scenes in the movie they're making, and then there are scenes that are scenes of them making the movie. Right. It's very meta. I hate the word meta, yeah. but it's very no, meta. No, 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 no. Right. Best way to describe. Yeah, it. for yeah. sure. And for the most part, the crew played themselves. Right. Because they it was pretty small parts. I mean, I was the I played myself. Uh, sort of a fictionalized version of myself. Um, but most of the crew had like one line here or there or didn't have any lines. They were just on screen, right? So they didn't have to be actors. They didn't, you know, their their one line was not really that big a deal. But there were two roles. There was uh, the first AD, which is like 
they like run the set was a was a part in the movie and they had a couple lines and then the script supervisor was a, a character with a couple lines well unfortunately one person did both those jobs on set so she couldn't play both the parts so i needed someone to play the first ad so i got phil so there's a bunch of scenes where phil has a giant megaphone and is like yelling instructions to people and oh it's that's kind of cool yeah that's awesome. Yeah, it's Who's, fun. You said there's, um, we were talking about it, and you said it's an indie film. Yeah. But you have a, an act, a famous actor who's in it that makes it at least a little bit more legitimate. Yeah, so if you know who Adam Conover is. I don't. Okay, that's okay. Not a lot of people do. Have you ever heard of the show Adam Ruins Everything? Yeah. Yeah, so that dude. No way. Yeah, Adam Conover. So he was in, he's in yeah. it? Yeah. So he's the narrator for the movie because there's this there's this character I don't want to like ruin it too much but right, there's right. yeah there's a narrator he's like this omniscient voice in the sky and we got Adam Conover to do it that's it was, awesome it's a cool story behind like how we got it too cuz we were working all the way from like before we even shot the movie we knew that we wanted to get someone well known to play this narrator cuz it was a really easy part like um you know it wasn't going to take them a lot of work it was going to be you know one less than one day of work so we could you know get somebody who would normally be a lot of money to do it you know relatively cheap right yeah yeah um and uh we we contacted a lot of people that we had a couple people very interested it just didn't work out and finally i mean the movie's filmed the movie's been edited we are it's the day of the premiere for the um cast and crew we did like a private screening for everyone they all came into town and we did that and that morning he emails us and says, yes, I'm interested in doing it. Um, and uh, we wanted to announce it at the event and be like, you know, hey, guys, just so you know, like we got Adam Conover. But we didn't, um, he didn't have not signed a contract or anything yet. So we're like, we don't want to say it. And then it happened to like not work out. Literally, as we were getting up to walk up and like grab a mic and welcome everyone to the event, my producer Chase's phone buzzes and he gets a text from the guy with the signed contract. Oh, so like literally yes. we walk up there, tell them that we get Adam Conover. And as we're sitting down in the movie starting, he real quick emails him back. Cause he emailed him, sent him a contract and said like, I have my own recording studio at my house. I can just record the lines because he does a podcast. He's like, I can just yeah. record it myself. If that's you know cool with you guys, uh, what kind of deadline do you have? And we told him, you know, we need it by, it, it was like, we had like three, four weeks before we needed it. Cause we needed it for festivals. And so he sends that email real quick, just telling him, you know, thanks for signing it. And the movie starts. The movie's like two hours long. Movie ends. He checks his phone. He's already sent him the recordings in the wow. two hours that the movie was playing. He wow. had finished his work and sent it off to us. What so, a homie. What a, a homie. Moment. It was a really cool moment. Yeah, wow. he's a great guy. So we're hoping because we, we just picked up uh, a screening in L.A. a couple days ago. Um, so we're hoping that he comes to that. So that would be neat. Cause I've never, I haven't met him in person. Yeah. Um, cause he did it all remote. So it'd be, and I haven't all, all my communication with him was through chase. So I haven't even talked to this guy. So it'd be really wow. cool to like actually meet him and you know, like, but that makes it so movie. much more legit too. Yeah. Is what oh, totally. Saying. That's yeah. why we're able to get into the movie theaters because people go, Oh, Adam Conover, I know who he is. So you said cool. 17 yesterday. Uh, it's close to that. We're going to be officially announcing next Thursday okay. at 10 a.m. Um, which means nothing in podcast Podcasting time. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably but, release this, um, not this Monday, but the Monday after. Okay. If that's cool. So yeah. then that can tell, if you want to plug dates, that would be the 8th or 9th of February is when it's going to be released. Okay. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have our, our finalized list by then because we're announcing on the 6th. Okay. Um, okay. We're announcing on the 6th what dates we have. Um, Dates and theaters. You said there's one. You said there's one in Goshen, though, right? Mm-hmm. The art house. When is that? When is that coming out? That's gonna be the whole weekend. So the the day, the the big date that's important is the 13th of March. That's like 
it's called day and date when you release in theaters like when you do like a a release in multiple theaters at once um and so we've got some some theaters are only doing like one day or we have a couple that are doing like an early screening a few are like a week later but the 13th is like the big day when like everything happens and goshen is doing a whole weekend so it'll be the 13th 14th 15th at, at the our house, house. Yeah. at the house yep Yep, so. and you can buy tickets and stuff and all that yep. stuff. Awesome. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which is a pretty cool th- thing if you think about it to come full circle. Because you remember when we uh, right before you started filming for the first uh, iteration of 4.0? Yeah. And we... What movie were they showing? Do you remember? Oh, uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. So they do those those free showings. Yeah. Was it a Saturday? Yeah, something like that. So the lady who's, who runs it let... Me and Matt come in there and hand out flyers because we needed uh, was it it was extras extras for four point for my first movie ever which I was an extra in yeah you were I was an extra in we, that I mean, we were we handed out a couple hundred of those oh yeah and nobody shows up and now you're showing a movie there yeah that's cool. cool yeah it's pretty cool that's super cool yeah thank you bud that's neat it's I hadn't cool, thought dude. about that that is yeah, yeah it is just, let me get some more ginger ale that that's a Talk about your first movie, though. My first movie? Oh, goodness. Okay. So, (laughs) there's such a cool story behind how this movie came about, okay? If you can indulge me for, like, five minutes to tell the story. So Uh, 15 or 20. Perfect. So, I'm in college, okay? And we would do... uh, We'd have junior film, which was your junior year. You would make, you know, a a short film normally. I was ambitious. I always tried to do something bigger than a short film, but... Um, you went to what college? Huntington University, okay. um, which actually has like a crazy film program, even though it's this tiny little school in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so I I have junior film, and you have to you have to like pitch an idea. Everyone has to pitch one, even if you're not interested in like really doing it. They expect you just so you can learn how to do it, right? Yeah. And at this point in my college career, I was kind of a punk, and I kind of hated the department, and I didn't really want to be like involved in it so i hadn't put any time into a pitch i had no ideas at all like literally nothing okay and it's the night before i have to pitch and i have nothing and i'm gonna have to the next day be up in front of the rest of the department and like pitch an idea and i nothing so i go to my friend who's very creative has a lot of great ideas he writes all the time and i'm like beaver his name is beaver i'm like beaver i need an idea for tomorrow he's also a junior so it's not like he's not also pitching and he's like He's like, oh, I don't know. He's like, you ever hear that like urban legend about how like if your roommate dies in college, they give you A's that semester because, uh, you know, it's like the trauma of like having to deal with your, your roommate dying. And I'm like, yeah, I've heard of that. He's like, it's like, what if you made a movie about a kid who like murdered his roommate to try and like get A's for the semester? I'm like, yeah, that'd be fun. So I pitch it and my very conservative university does not like it at all. Nice. They tell me, they literally tell me, how are we supposed to relate to a protagonist who kills someone. And I went, well, I just, I don't mean to interrupt. No, you're good. But to be uh, precise on how conservative this place is, they, I don't know if they changed it, but they outlawed dancing. They did, <laughs> until the, the year 2000. Footloose. Yeah, it was yeah. more of this. Until 2000, they outlawed it. I, I like mine a little, like a half and a half. I don't know if that's um, good, though. Oh, I'm good. No, I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. So, they, um, at, so it's the college from Footloose. Is basically, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. We, we literally have this event uh, in October, no, September. It's like the first big event of the school year called The Stand because until 2000, we couldn't dance at the university and so they'd have an event where they all got together on the quad and they just stood around because they weren't allowed to dance. And uh-huh. now we're allowed to dance, so it's 
you know, it's just funny. Um, so now it's a bunch of uh, quirky Christian kids doing the robot. No, they have a square oh, dancing wow. competition. Well, they have a square dancing I almost won one year. Do I they got do, second place. Uh, maybe, just maybe, they need to outlaw dancing. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, what were you going to say, Tim? I was going to say, do they do like ballroom dancing and stuff like that? Oh, no. Grace no. did that. It, yeah. We I did have I a swing dance to... group for a little while. Oh, swing dance. Yeah, yeah that think, was fun. Yeah, I think Grace did swing dance. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. But yeah, so, anyway, so, super I, so, yeah, so I pitched about, this yeah. movie. They don't like it. Um, but fortunately, at this point, the department's still kind of small enough that if you want to do a project, like you can do it as long as you can wrangle up some friends and they you know, agree to it. So I, I have to meet with my two professors, um, and they don't like the idea, and we're trying to pitch it to them. And my friend writes it. My friend, who's actually the guy who made the documentary with me years later, he writes this like you know eight-minute little short film. And we have to change it from him murdering his roommate to he frames his roommate for using drugs and gets him kicked out of the school. It, like just it, it's so dumb. Because they didn't want murder. They didn't want That's murder. So it's crazy. so it's so cheesy. Um, I played the main character and I did not act back then. I was very bad and I was like super nervous. I never directed anything, so I like didn't know what I'm doing. We make this. It's terrible. It is one. I watched it recently. I found it. Like I didn't think it existed. I literally thought it was gone forever. And I found it and I watched it and it was like one of those uncomfortable things to watch ever but anyway this idea stuck with me i was like this is because i originally wanted to make it a feature film i'm like here's the thing we're at college with a bunch of students who work for free and we have no responsibilities let's make a movie like yeah. we have all the time in the world to do it and no one wanted to do it everyone was like no i have other things to do i need uh. to like go go hang out with my friends on friday night so we made an eight minute movie it was dumb whatever a year later i graduate and i'm like i love this idea this is the best idea i still want to like pursue this um, so I move out to LA and I start, I start writing it in, in earnest, like as an actual feature film and got it mostly done, came home, finished writing it. And the May, yeah, May after I graduate from college, so a year later, I'm making it at Goshen college. Um, I somehow sold them on this very, very, very rough movie, um, uh, and made it in like 11 days. Phil played the the uh, the roommate who gets murdered, and I did not play the character this time because it was my first big thing, and I panicked and I was like, I can't do this. This is yeah. too much. That, that worked out great because that was around the time I was living in my car, so it's not like I had to go home and take a shower. Because like, <laughs> I was sort of working at the butcher shop, so I would just I spent the night in the parking lot of the uh, oh I didn't know that like you were just sleeping in the college parking lot yeah like that's two or amazing three, I think two or three times I did that oh that's amazing no way. do yeah. we, do we I, so I, I when you guys did the shot in uh, Southside yeah that's where I was an extra yep, were you yep, there yep. for that I don't think no so. Phil did not do that I, I missed quite a bit of it because I had broken my ribs at oh work. wow this dude is a champ so he he plays the roommate right and uh, there's a pretty like violent murder scene he comes to set the day of the scene where he's where he's murdered, right? And we do the scene, and like, and, you know, he's like getting slammed up against the wall and all this stuff. He finishes the scene and then goes, "Matt, I think I need to go to the hospital. I think my ribs are broken." I'm like, "What?" He then tells me later that he broke his ribs at work that day and just didn't want to tell us because he didn't want to ruin the movie uh. and showed up and let another guy slam him into like. There's literally uh. a part where like he slams like ribs into like a desk and like. You know, yeah, he was he was a champ, but uh, yeah. How'd you break your ribs? I got uh, I got in a fight with a pig and lost. Wow, live or dead pig? 
Oh, no, it was alive. Yeah, we have, like, pens where we keep you know, live yeah. animals, and we have these gates that move around to, yeah. like... Sorry. To, uh, like, maneuver the animals yeah. into, like, yeah. so the, know, spots into the shop. Into. And, yeah. Uh, one turned around on me, and, I mean, there's... Yeah. Pigs are mean. Pigs are possibly the meanest animal alive. <laughs> they just corner me, and it, it shove a, a, a gate right into my rib cage. And it, oh. I, I think I cracked one, and I bruised two of them. Oh man, Joe. To be fair, I didn't feel a whole lot of anything during that scene because I was on some pretty heavy painkillers. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But yeah, so yeah, so that was that was an interesting eleven days. Art of acting, painkillers. Yeah, Yeah. it was. uh, We we shot this movie. There were like five of us, which is not normal for. I mean, film sets are huge. They're not five people. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was the it girl was whose dad's a comedian. I remember her. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she acted it. Yeah. And then um, the the what was her name? Tabby. Tabby. And then um, the one kid from Goshen College who I think his name's John or he was a he was did oh, like lighting and film. There was uh, there was his name's not John. Jesse, I think, was one of the guys. Those two guys, I met them the first day of of filming. They just wandered on and they're like, "Hey, we work in the film department. Can we help out?" And I'm like. Yes. Yes, please. That's so, so cool. We just gained two crew members day one. It was great because cool. we literally had three people besides me before that. Wow. Um, wow. That were working on like crew members. I just remember the because uh, we're, we're at least where we come a majority of my scenes we were in a because uh, it was a dorm room. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Call Paul. Yeah. Well, because it was like it was the middle of summer, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah it was like yeah. June or July. Yep. It was June. Yeah. So it was like blazingly hot and they don't no have ac yeah, they don't have ac in this building so we're just like sweating balls for what i mean 10 12 I would, 14 you know, hours a I'd day i'd get out of work at like five drive straight there and then we'd yep. be there till like two three o'clock in the morning yep and here's here yeah here's how the day would go because i was still working at this time i had been working at home depot and when the job rolled around i i had been the head of this department at home depot and we were trying to hire this guy to be like an a morning uh, delivery person, he would come in in the morning and like set up all the deliveries for the day. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna take this job and step down from my job because now I can only, I can be out of work by 9 a.m. So I'd work five to 9 a.m. Yeah, drive straight from work down to Goshen College, get everything prepped because people would come in about noon. That was usually our call time. Um, get everything prepped. You, if it was in the dorm, that meant open all the windows to try and cool it down a little bit, right? Oh wow! And then we would shoot from like noon to like midnight to 2 a.m. depending on the day and i would drive home get like an hour or two of sleep and then go to work again and there were literally days where i would wake up on the street at a red light like i had stopped for a red light and i'd fall asleep waiting for the light to change and then i'd wake up and i'd be like i wonder how many lights i've sat through with my foot on the brake so yeah that's why on my last movie phil just drove me everywhere because you're just going so hard yeah yeah yep. you're not sleeping yeah of course that's crazy though. yeah yeah so it was it was something it was a lot of uh sleepless nights working on that movie not really no it got done well, sort I of say anything i mean i'd certainly gained a shit oh, experience. yeah experience yes, was experience was Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I couldn't have made the next movie if I hadn't made that movie. But it never came out, I will say that. And I'm glad it didn't. Really? It's a great lost film. It's somewhere. It exists. It exists, yeah. It exists, but no one's going to see it. Is it finished? Oh, yeah. 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 But it's in. as finished as it could be for yeah. how bad it was and for me doing everything. Yeah. I edited this thing. I taught myself how to do like sound mixing so I could mix the thing and that's 
Yeah, it was it was bad. It was it was real bad. But I remember a couple of like after shots. I did the sound work. Mm. Yeah, he recorded sound for some of the pickup shots fuck, that we did because yeah, I, I couldn't get my sound, sound guy back. Thing. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. It was great. So yeah, it was interesting. Um, I credited myself like with twelve different names in that movie so that it didn't look like it was the same person doing everything. It was great. <laughs> I just make up random names. I still use them. It's great. Whatever I do, well, like other your, work. Your uh, IMDb. Yeah. Is uh, oh I forget. I was looking at the other Cooper day. Flanagan. That's, Cooper Flanagan. That was the name of the character. From that's a character I came up with years and years ago for a completely different movie. Okay. And I like the name, and it just stuck with me. And when I wrote Moondance, and I knew that I needed, like, this character. He's not the main character by any means, but he's, like, he's like the, the Jack Sparrow of that movie. You know, yeah, a yeah. very, very vocal side character, right? Um, when I knew that I was going to play it, I was like, I'm going to play it because it fits. that the di- I'm directing this movie, so I'm going to play the director of the movie. It's the most meta thing in the world, <laughs> right? And I, don't, I didn't want to use my own name for it. I felt like that was just boring, so... I was like, I like this character, and he's always been this crazy character. And he was in a different movie for a while, and that, that movie never materialized. I never finished writing it. It ended up not working out as a good idea. So I transferred him over because I was like, I can't lose this character. He's too good. And now I've just kind of adopted him as this persona, and it's fun. It, it's great. There are, there are people, like, on this next movie that I'm working on this summer, there are a lot of people who have only met me as him. So no like, way. They don't know... That my they don't know what my real name is and they just know they me. They call you Cooper. Yeah, it's great. It's it takes a little getting used to. Like sometimes I forget to like respond when someone calls me by that, and then I'm like, oh yeah, right, that's my name. But yeah, it's fun. That's it's crazy. You know, I saw it on IMDb. I was yep. Like, that yep. Is so yeah, so that's my. Uh, How do you? Get that's me. You have an IMDb. I do. Yeah, it exists. Oh. Yeah. Oh, just look at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You worked on a movie, so it exists. That's right. Fair enough. Yeah. It's I next to your that. SoundCloud. Yeah. You don't have a picture, but that's okay. Can you upload? Can you upload? You something? have to have a pro membership, which is gotcha. actually stupid expensive. It's How much is it? Twenty five dollars a month for a pro membership. But here's the thing: there's a lot of benefit if you're if you make movies. If you just like are an actor or something, it's really dumb unless you're like a big actor. Um, if you're just like a like a you know a regular like hometown actor, you know. Eh. But pro gives you access to like uh, contact info for everyone, so I can get a hold of. I can get. I can find out who anyone's agent is off of IMDb Pro and I can find out like contact info for anybody so like that's how I get a hold of people is through IMDb Pro I go and I'm like who's you know such and such's agent doo, doo, doo. oh there they are there's their email and then, then I email you their agent talk, yeah. talk. that's crazy it's invaluable invaluable yeah yeah so. I think as a director that makes a little bit more sense as a, just an actor maybe not so much unless you are uh, 25 bucks a month is it's a little rough it's a little, it's a little steep um, yeah I mean that's you know, that's more than Spotify and Netflix combined. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you could throw in Hulu and Disney Plus, and you're still paying a little bit more. For... Don't don't pay the mouse any more money. Yeah. No. It doesn't Disney's, need more money. Uh, Joe, I'm sorry, just push him down. Don't, don't give him any. He Buddy. he's interrupted Sony of my podcasts. It's all right. Time, so. Do you do you edit these down or do you literally release? Nah, them the way I do it live? is. Yeah, I the I'll put an intro and outro. That's that's it. it? That's yep, amazing. That's all. Joe. That's amazing. Joe. He just wants his own microphone. Put him down. Bud. Sorry, listeners. I love you. Joe's doing his Joe things again. You're good, buddy. But he yeah. is kind of the unofficial mascot. I mean, it's of, all right. Yeah. He's a good mascot. Yeah. So, uh, so 4.0. So 4.0. First, first movie. First then movie. Moondance is your second? No, I the documentary between those. Documentary. So, the, yeah. Which is The Last Apostle. The Last Apostle. Joe. So that was... That also came out of college. That was my second year in college. We went, um, we have what's called J-Term at Huntington, which is like a little mini semester in January, right? A lot lot of colleges have that. 
And a lot of professors, it's, it's fun classes. There's a few like legitimate classes and some people, you know, go, oh, this is my chance to take my history class. But most people do fun things, right? So like we had a professor who would do like a civil rights class and they'd like go down to Birmingham for, the, oh, right, for, yeah, cool. for a couple of weeks, right? Or um, we had a guy who would like teach a class on Tolkien, things like that, fun things, right? Oh, that's cool. And, uh, but some professors do like bigger trips. And there's this guy, Mark Fairchild, who's an archaeologist. He's a he's a um, biblical studies professor. He's, he you know speaks Greek and or reads Greek, and uh, you know know does a bunch of history stuff. And he teaches those classes. And then every other year, he doesn't do it every year, but every other year, he takes a group of students during J term to um, Turkey and somewhere else. His his trick is no one knows about Turkey. No one knows anything about it. No one, a lot of people haven't even heard of it as a country, right? But they don't know anything about it. So no one wants to go to Turkey. But if you can like go, hey, we're going to Greece. Oh, and Turkey. Then they'll be like, I want to go to Greece. Or yeah. when I went, it was Israel and Turkey. And I was like, I really want to go to Israel, right? Knew nothing about Turkey. Literally had no interest in going to Turkey. But I was like, well, I'm going to both, I guess. So we spent, it was like two and a half weeks. We flew we flew to Israel. We went to Israel first. And then we went to Turkey. And Israel was fine. It was it was cool. Um, it wasn't the... Israel was... It was okay. It was... Yeah. Israel's so old that everything is just gone. It's just like... It's like foundations, and it's wow. just like yeah. this historical significance is cool, but there's nothing to look at, right? Jerusalem was cool. That was about it. Jerusalem was neat, and um, uh, Masada. It's out in the middle of the desert, and it's like this big giant fortress up on top of a huge mountain. You have to like climb up. You can take a cable car. You can climb up it, but That's uh, cool. it's really cool. Actually, everyone who is in the Israeli military goes up there. That's like their last thing they do before they graduate and like join the military. Oh, like go up cool. to Masada. Yeah, it's really neat. It's like the crucible for the exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there's a bunch of history to that castle. But anyway, so we go to Israel. Israel's fine. Then we go to Turkey. Turkey's insane. Turkey's the coolest place. Spend in the world. more time in Turkey than Israel. Uh, it was the same. It was like eight, okay. eight or nine days in each one. Um, but Turkey has like endless ruins to look at because they've had you know civilizations there for the last like three, four, five thousand years, right? I mean, it's it's crazy. There's just stuff there from everywhere. You go to Istanbul and the capital, which used to be Constantinople, right? Which is the, the eastern capital of the Roman Empire. So after Rome goes away in 400 AD when the, when the um, uh, who sacks it? Who sacks Rome oh. in 400 AD? The Gauls? No. The Gauls. Yeah, no, the Gauls. yeah, the Gauls. I think the Gauls. The Gauls or the Vandals? One of them. Anyway, they sack Rome, right? Well, the Roman Empire continues for another thousand years over in Constantinople. Wow. Right? Um, until the Ottomans invade in 1354. Sounds about right. I think that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Mehmet uh, conquers it. It's really cool. There's these giant walls that are still there in Istanbul. Like, you literally can drive through them, and they're enormous. They're like 40, 50 feet wide, some of them. Yeah. And he used these giant cannons that had only just been designed like that year or the year before and like shot giant holes in the walls. It was like this month-long siege. He'd like blow a hole in it and they'd rebuild it overnight and they'd blow another hole in it and they'd rebuild it overnight. And like, and he had, he literally would build, he built like fortresses on either side. There's this thing called the Bosphorus and it's the passageway between the Black Sea and the Mediterranean. Okay. And he built castles on either side of it to stop ships from coming in so that People couldn't bring supplies to Istanbul, so he could siege them. But then on the flip side, Istanbul built this gigantic uh, chain. There's there's a link of it in the um, Istanbul Archaeological Museum. This link is like literally like a couple feet thick, each, the, the, each link of it. And they ran it across the Bosphorus so that they couldn't bring battleships in because they, oh. they would crash their ships into it. It was great. Cool. So, yeah. So, anyway. So, we spend, you know, all this. And, and Istanbul's crazy. You literally, like, you'll go into, like, 
an alley and you'll go into some shop and in the basement of the shop there's like an old ruin that they discovered while they were building the shop and so they have to make it like public to tourists and so you just go in there it's insane there's all this stuff I think in I there. saw that in the documentary where you're yep, like yep yep we went like it was like literally that thing that you're talking about that grotto was like five stories underground we Holy just kept cow. going down and down and down yeah. Um, so yeah we spent all this time there with this guy with, his, with Mark Fairchild right and he is insane he's like Indiana Jones he's I mean he's like in his 60s he's from Indiana which makes it even better right but he He's this crazy guy. Uh, he's a world-class photographer, so that's part of what's so cool about him. But he goes around by himself and just goes and explores the countryside. He'll just, like, go to some town and ask the locals in a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of Turkish he knows because he ha- doesn't speak Turkish very well. He speaks he speaks Greek and Hebrew, but he doesn't do, do Turkish. But he'll go and, like, ask them, like, where are there ruins around? And they'll be like, oh, you know, over there in those mountains. And then he'll just go, like, wander off to those mountains and find stuff. And he finds all these crazy old things, like, my favorite thing that we did on the whole trip when we went to make the documentary is we climbed this mountain. It was like a six or seven hour hike. Um, keep in mind, this guy's in his 60s and he's hiking it like it's no problem at all. Yeah, he is crushing it. Yeah. No, he's so athletic. And we get to the top of the, the first summit of this mountain and there's like this ancient city up there. And he explains to us that other than German archaeologists, because Germany has like a really good relationship with Turkey, they do most of the archaeological work there. And Germany is like the place for archaeology. If, like, if you're an archaeologist, you're probably German. Um, they went up there in the nineties and they did a little bit of work, but they're like, we can't get equipment up here. This is a giant mountain and we'd have to like helicopter everything in and we don't have the money. So they just left. So other than them and like some farmers that'll wander up there once in a while, if their sheep go up real high, no one's ever been there since it was occupied. Oh my word. say, you know, not to interrupt, no. to change the subject, but I had a German exchange student in high school and I find it odd that, you, that Germany and Turkey have a relationship as many bad things that he said about Turkish people. Huh. What's, you got to go back to World War One. The Ottoman Empire sided with the Germans in World War One. Didn't work out for them. They, the Ottoman Empire didn't exist after World War One. But, you know, there's, there's this beautiful fountain in Istanbul that uh, uh, Kaiser Wilhelm designed for them, and it's this just beautiful, gorgeous fountain, and he, like, built it himself, and it's in Istanbul. It's really cool. But anyway... Um, like, so we go up to this mountain, and then there's a second summit, and we climb to that one, and there's that one, like, no one's been there. Like, no one. And that's the sort of thing he does. He just goes out, and he finds these crazy places in the middle of nowhere. He, he found the oldest synagogue in the world, like, 10 years ago. He was out looking for this temple. I, I think you've seen the doc- yeah, You've seen yeah. the documentary. Yeah, so you know the story. But yeah, he was out looking for this temple that he knew about. He had, I think he had been there once before, and he's looking for it. And as he's walking through, like, climbing this mountain and going through this brush, he sees this, like doorway and he's like what is this and goes over there and like after some research realizes what it is and finds the oldest synagogue in the world like by hundreds of years too yeah like the oldest there's so there's there's literary evidence of ones all the way back to like 500 bc but they had never found until the 90s they had never even found one as old as the roman empire so they thought like these people must not know what they're talking about because we've never found one and they found one from the roman empire like wow that's so cool and then he finds one from the greek uh uh, era from the Hellenistic area, and it's like changed the world, like world was, changing. He's been of what in your documentary you talked yeah. about how he has been invited to a lot of different things oh, yeah, because yeah. of that yep. discovery. Yep, and you said he like took pictures and stuff, and then went back and could not find anything yeah. older than what he's dated. Could not find anything and about it. His he work finally was published everywhere. Yeah, because of, yeah, because he what was that? Me and Mr. Fairchild are uh, I'm sorry, Doctor Fairchild. Doctor Fairchild have a lot in common yeah. because when I was ten, I found a. Uh, uh, an arrowhead in my backyard. Just saying. That's true. No, I mean it's basically We're both the same changing thing. the world 
one rock at a time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You're Michigan, Michigan Jones. There you go. Michigan there you Jones. Go. Oh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> that, that. That sounds like a sidekick for Osmosis Jones. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, well, but yeah, movie. so so crazy guy. I, I'm getting a little in the weeds, but he's this crazy guy, and we go and we we spend two and a half weeks with him when we're in Turkey. And me and the this guy Logan Logan Bush, he and I were students together at Huntington. We went on this trip together. We, I remember the night we're sitting at our hotel one night and we're like, how has no one ever made a documentary about this guy? Like we're, we're both big fans of documentaries and we're big fans of documentaries about people. Like both of us, our favorite documentary is Hero Dreams of Sushi, which is about the world's so greatest sushi chef, right? So good. And we, we've always wanted to make a documentary like that. And we're like, why has no one made a documentary about this guy? This guy is insane. Like he's, we have this golden opportunity in front of us to make a documentary about, because here's the thing. Okay, when you're making a movie, it's all about like, if no one will excuse the technical side of a movie. If your movie's not perfect, it, no one cares, right? But a documentary, I mean, one of the best documentaries ever made, Restrepo, is like mostly filmed on like a handy cam in a war zone and they're running around and it's shaky and the audio's terrible, but the story is fascinating. It's, right. They're in Iraq, I think it's Iraq, it's either Afghanistan or Iraq, I honestly can't remember, but it's during the war, they're there, it's insane, right? So, so you knew. feel like you're part of Exactly. The and so we knew with this, we're like, look, we could have no idea what we're doing and we're still going to make a great documentary because the subject matter is insane and we have to do this before someone else does it. So we, we talked about it. We want to do this. But then nothing ever came of it. We both graduated, you know, because we went back and we had another year at college and we weren't going to make it in college. And then we, we graduated. He moved to Los Angeles and I'm in the Midwest and we're like, well, we want to do it. And then when I moved back to uh, LA, I happened to be uh, you know, same town as him, and we're have we're hanging out one night at his apartment, and we're talking about this documentary, and it got brought up that we had heard that a professor at Huntington wanted to make a documentary about him, but he was currently getting his master's, and so he was going to wait until then. We're like, uh, no, we're going we're gonna to do it. We need to beat this guy to it. So, like within a week, we emailed him and we're like, hey, could we come with you this May when you go? Because he goes every summer to Turkey, and we're like, can we come with you? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And keep in mind, we. We didn't know him very well at this point. I had taken one Greek class with him, and Logan had taken a biblical archaeology class with him, and that was it. Like, and he, thousands of students, so it's not like he remembers this super well. But he was like, "Yeah, absolutely," because he has people come with him all the time. Yeah. Um. So it's one caveat is you got to keep up with them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, as long as you're not gonna slow me down, you guys can come. So, we we asked him like, well, what do you, you know, what do you want to do? Like, what do you think would be a good trip? Because you know, we don't we're not experts on Turkey, and he comes up with like an itinerary for us and. We won't work it out. And I mean, just it happened so fast. We go from like, that was January when we emailed him. And by May, we're on a plane going to Turkey and spending, you know, three weeks running around Turkey with him in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're going places that like no one goes. I mean, it's not like we're, we're not taking a tour bus to, you know, the big giant archaeological sites. Because that's the thing, too. Even though there's so much archaeology in Turkey, there's not a lot of big sites that people go to because no one goes to Turkey. Everyone goes to Greece next door or they go, you know, to Israel. So there's not... Cyprus you know, or... Yeah, yeah exactly. Which, of, yeah, it's did, crazy. Yeah, we yeah. did go to Cyprus, yeah. Um, but it was crazy to go to these places that, like, even the van we were in didn't always get us there. We'd have to sometimes go on foot, like, to get to that's places. That's so and, cool. Yeah, so... I do have to say... Yeah? My favorite part about your trip... Yeah? Is that... Uh, finding out that Israel has the best Lucky Strike cigarettes. They really do. Whenever I travel internationally, I buy Phil Lucky Strike cigarettes from Because they, they, they only sell the unfiltered kind here, which is fine. But That's what real men smoke? going to you know, put me in an early grave. <laughs> what does uh, uh, um, Israel sell? The filtered ones? Yeah. Yeah, they you can get them anywhere outside the U.S. I don't know why you can't get them in the U.S., but yeah. It's interesting. You'd think they prefer the filtered ones. Yeah. You know. 
America is rugged. It's our cowboy nature. That's true. Yeah. What What's your favorite type of uh, cigarette? Lucky Strikes cigarettes. Lucky Strikes. Yeah. yeah. Not Marlboro Reds. Well, I tried Marlboro Reds for a minute. No. Those are a little too too manly for they, anyone. They make me sound like this. No. Those were designed for men of a different generation. <laughs> Those are called cowboy killers for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are rough. Yeah, all yeah. my country boy, all, all my country friends smoke those. Oh yeah, all right. Marble yep. Reds, one hundreds. <laughs> Not sure what any of that means, but I was like, uh, all right. One hundred means they're extra long. Oh, oh really? you get a little more tobacco yeah, out yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, oh, That's man. great. That's amazing. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Is just a side note, but um, is that one hundred? No, no, no. This is a normal cigarette. One hundred is like out here. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Wow, it's like pencil length. <laughs> that means you're that much closer to killing. <laughs> the inch closer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. I know. Uh, I was just thinking about how 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 tobacco is just so hated in our culture right now. Yeah. I know it's crazy. It's it, which is but, odd to me because vaping is such a huge like. Yeah, it's a big thing right now. But it's still tobacco. I mean, yeah. it's not tobacco. But the whole point of smoking cigarettes was to get to the nicotine. So now you're smoking pure nicotine, and you're going to tell me that cigarettes are bad for yeah. you? It's all bad for you. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's interesting that um, our country is founded on tobacco. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, like, George Washington was – you know George Washington is the richest man in America when he was president? Really? Yeah. And it was all off tobacco. That That's Virginia crazy. tobacco, man. That, and I knew he was a, a, a bootlegger, too. He was running, Oh, I didn't know he did that. Alcohol as it well. is incredibly – I mean – Absurdly easy to grow tobacco, even here. Yeah, my grandpa. Oh, I know people in this area that grow tobacco. My grandpa grew three full acres, his first try, and the only thing that stopped him was because you have to dry it and you have to have like, if you want to do it correctly, you need like temperature controlled rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he dried them out in the open in like a barn, and he goes, he went out one day to check on them, and they were just covered in bird shit. Yep. Oh, really? Nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's an art to it. That's but. crazy. Well, and it couldn't grow anywhere else. Like that's it was not being able to grow other places, and yeah. so it's just crazy that our temperature is perfect yep. for that. Yep, yeah, Virginia, yeah. man, that's where. You, or even lower Indiana. Oh yeah, no, you can grow it any like most of the U.S. But like you know, you, Virginia, you want good good tobacco. Something, something you're about going the to Virginia. Yeah. Yep. We got good. Scotland. Soil. Land. Yeah, tobacco. Yeah, it is. <laughs> there's something. Yeah, there's something uniquely American about cigarettes. There really is. Like. I don't really smoke cigarettes. I smoke the occasional cigarette, you know, but yeah. like I'm not like a smoker. But man, there's something. It's it's a little sad to me that like smoking has kind of gone away as a cultural thing in America because it seems it's one of the most uniquely American things. Like America doesn't have a lot of culture, right? I mean, we have movies, right? But our movies are movies made about other people's other cultures, cultures yeah. right? I, like I, I feel like that's the best part of America is the fact that we don't have a culture. We're a mixture of every culture. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I love it. But I'm yeah. saying whenever you do find one of those ran, like like muscle cars. I'm not yeah. a big car guy, but like I love uh, that America. Every time like, I see cars. Paula, I grow a few inches in my drawers. <laughs> you? Okay. All right. Wow. We're learning from filters. We are. It's good. Though. No, like I like lessons it. With the animal and the car. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just love those things because there's very few of them that are uniquely American things, right? And like cigarettes are one of those and so yeah. it's a little sad to me that like you can't smoke inside anymore like even when i was in college like there was a bar when i was in college we'd go there because then underclassmen couldn't come with us it was great like we couldn't drink that's in nice. huntington but we just go there and eat so that like freshmen couldn't follow us that's nice and after 8 p.m you could smoke in that bar and it was like it was just it was kind of magical it was like yeah. this is weird like i long for the days of being able to smoke in a crackle barrel 
Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I remember, like, when I was a kid, there was one time where, like, our washer broke and we were going to a laundromat for, like, a week while it was getting repaired. And, like, there was a smoking section in the laundromat. Yeah, that's crazy. It's just, it's I just remember a, at, um, uh, what was it? Uh, no, I forget. Uh, Bob Evans. Yep. There was a smoking section at Bob Evans. Speak about that. It's also a good thing that they outlawed smoking inside because that same laundromat is where they did, they used to do all the sports teams for Constantine. That's where they got their. Oh, this uh, is a different laundromat, but I agree with you. Well, like that, because you could smoke, or at least the old lady that owned it would smoke, you know, chain smoke in there while she was, you know, washing all that clothes. So literally everything after one wash had this, like, permanent cigarette stain smell oh yeah no it's gross i'm not saying it's not gross there's just it's a it's american and it's a little sad that like the um, one of the few uniquely american things is like going away yeah well do you do you know the new oasis like it's really nice restaurant but before that you could smoke in it and eat and it was my favorite spot because no one would go there nice and it was so nice like it was yeah. so nice good beer uh, for real cheap there's there's a few spots here that you can still smoke in right but isn't that, that what's that the white horse or whatever that bar mm-hmm. yeah that's close though they're switching Did that they up close it? yep they're changing it to uh it's good it's owned by the guy from the springs and he's gonna make it a family establishment oh nice okay. dining place huh they're going away Aww. yeah, yeah. they are <clears throat> yeah it's cool it's crazy but Anyway, enough about cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Two of the three of us don't even smoke, so. Yeah, no, don't smoke I don't. cigarettes, children. Yeah, it's don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Uh, yeah, I, every once in a while, well, but it's just, it's very, yep. it's very, it's a rare pro, thing. very seldom thing. Like I said, it might, it's my favorite Kurt Vonnegut quote. Smoking cigarettes are the, is the classiest way to commit suicide. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Lucky Strike. I'll try that sometime. It's, they're good. Lucky Strike's good. They're basically pipe tobacco rolled into a cigarette. Okay, yeah. yeah. See, I do like, like, uh, Black and Mild. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a very it's a sh- strong tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it uh, the New Year's party? Colin had his pipe. Yeah, you know, I was on that. That was really nice. Yeah, too. I I miss my pipe smoking days. College, I was pretentious enough to smoke a pipe. That's great. Yeah, I could I see you on the set. I actually got oh, yeah. fired. I got fired from a job for smoking out of a pipe. Really? Yeah, really? You were there when I bought my first pipe. I bought what? What do they call the real Corn long cop? ones? Oh, uh, uh, Gandalf, uh, Gandalf Church Warden pipe. The Church, Church Warden pipe, right? So, like, I didn't smoke cigarettes at the time, but I had that pipe tobacco, and everybody else at work smoked. It was, like, my first job out of high school. So I'm like, I'll just bring that pipe in there. And then I felt awkward because I'm an 18-year-old, and I have this giant pipe. So I'd smoke, like, i just sit next to my car and smoke, but it looked like it was something else. Uh... So I got pulled into a room and said, uh, you're, not, you're not allowed to work here no more. You know, Oops. Uh... So they thought you are smoking weed. Yeah. Yes. You know why they call them church wardens? What? So, back when you would, they would have these guys that would like watch the church at night, make sure like no one broke into it because they would, you know, gold and fancy things in there, and they all like to smoke. But if you got a giant pipe right in front of your face, it's like and a bunch of smoke coming out. You might not be the best like, uh, you know, watchman. Yeah. So they made these giant long pipes so that you could smoke and not like block your line of sight. And they called them church wardens because church wardens smoke them. That's crazy. It's one of my favorite facts. That's kind of cool. Yep. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I love a good the pipe smoke. It's not yeah, bad. no movie sets is the are pretty much the only time I smoke heavily because everyone's everyone is a smoker on a movie set. It's yeah. weird. Even if you're not a smoker, you're a smoker on a film set because it's the one chance to get away from working because you're working twelve hour days and you're working nonstop for twelve hours, and so it's nice to be able to step aside for five minutes and go smoke and then come back to set. So 
It was weird that the last movie and said no it was one on smells no you. No one smells when you know we were washing the screen, so it doesn't exactly. matter. Exactly. You can kind of, yeah, yeah. No one cares, no and one everyone cares. does it. And it gives that nicotine hit. Yep. So you're yeah, yeah, like, that too. Yeah, you're awake I know so many warm. people who are like one cigarette a day smokers on movie sets, mm. and then they don't smoke any other time, but well, like see, on film sets. Part of the reason I'm, I started smoking cigarettes, I mean, because it's such a social thing. Like I said, all the, everybody at work was smoking, so you just kind of pick up that habit. But that like. Because I think because of that buzz it gives you, I mean, it allows you to, you know, I relax a little bit so you can talk to people. It's a very social, it's a very yeah. social thing to do. Yeah. I think. Yep. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's good for you or not, you know, that's either here nor there. But it's the American yeah. version of the pub. Yeah. You know what I heard is, um, what is it? Is it U-Haul is now, uh, will not hire you if you smoke. Really? Yeah, they say uh, if you test and you have nicotine in your system, they will not. Wow. There's, there's a lot of places... Like uh, that's discrimination, low key. Yeah, totally that's discrimination. Is. Totally like, is. Well, there's. There, I mean, I think that's one of those things that's all up to uh, your employer. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing with like yeah. some places don't drug test. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, because it, it's all it's 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 their prerogative. You're right. So I think I my dad actually is he chews tobacco and it, it like about killed him because he tried to quit because there was a you know coveted position of this place in Sturgis, Michigan, where he was trying to get that iron metal work. Yeah. And they don't allow that. I mean, you cannot have any trace of it in your system. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So That's crazy. To, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Man. Huh. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. All right. All right so back to... Back to... Back to the tobacco. movie set. Yeah. But, yeah. So, it, but it is interesting that there is a culture of that. I've seen that because a lot of famous actors are smokers yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, no, it really so is. it permeates through the whole thing. It's just a, yeah, it's just a movie thing. And like I said, it's people. I know so many people who do not smoke, and then it's, they like literally go out and buy cigarettes to show up on movie, on a film set to That's like crazy smoke have man. their time to smoke. Yeah, and it's, it's just probably all American spirits. Oh yeah, yeah, all American spirits. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's uh, hilarious. That, that's what my guess would be. You know what's funny? Just a fun little uh, fun fact for you. If you're a smoker and you're in a studio film. Um, and you have to smoke in the film, you're not allowed to smoke real cigarettes. Really? Because of legislation about, like, the tobacco industry. Um, yeah, you're not, like, like um, it's a newer thing, because I, I know that, like, it used to be a thing where you could smoke cigarettes. But, yeah, unless it's, like, unless it's outside of, like, those guidelines. Like, Netflix, it's, it's hilarious. I sat in a, a taping of a of The Ranch. It's a Netflix show. Yeah, And yeah. They, they actually drink on set. Ashton Ash Ash Kutcher, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Sam Elliott. Yeah, they, yeah. like, literally drink beer on set while they're, when they're drinking beer. It's not like, they don't pour it out of the can and fill it with water. They, like, actually just they drink, drink on it. set. Yeah. That's yeah. like a, a TV show, Shameless. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, they're, did they're he really smoke? They're pretty heavy smokers throughout the whole show, but the one character, uh, Lip. Yeah. He... Like he's the only person on set who's an actual smoker, mm. and for a long time he would just smoke real cigarettes until it got to the point where he was, you know, casually smoking a pack every couple of days to like going through two cartons a week because he was smoking so much because of the shelf. Yeah, so I wonder if that might have something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Being HBO, they get away with that. It's mm. great. I love, I love the networks. The so stuff. if it's not on like regular network TV, they have a little bit more leeway to do whatever yeah, they absolutely. want. Yeah, huh? absolutely. Here's here's an interesting thing for you too, though. The FCC guidelines about like language and nudity and things like that only apply to ABC, NBC, and CBS. All the other channels just 
opt in to follow those because of advertising because they they really? they they look at it as like advertisers won't want to advertise on our channel if we let them you know drop the f word and and ha- you know do like HBO where HBO is you know very vulgar very graphic you know yeah um, but it's interesting in the last couple of years like USA and Sci-Fi just just like loosened up their regulations where they're now allowing like a lot more language in their shows and a lot more nudity and things like that because they're going like look like there's so many advertisers today and advertising is so niche that we can definitely find advertisers who are willing to advertise yeah. on our show. Yeah. Um, you have a product. And why, yeah, exactly. Why, that's so interesting. Yeah. Well, another thing is like YouTube, dude. Like people are just say whatever they want on YouTube. Yep. And there's advertising that's happening there too. It's yeah. like. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I there's, I had actually, speaking of that, so there's a, uh, a relatively well-known YouTuber named David Dobrik. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. About I listened to an, uh, or I watched an art or uh, an interview with him and he was talking about how, uh, in his early iteration of his vlog, they, I mean, he was making, you know, anywhere from a couple hundred thousand to maybe even $2 million a, a vlog. Oh, I wow. Mean, just with all the advertisers and things you could get, but because of, uh, apocalypse. Yeah. Th- th- hmm. That thing. It went from you know making three hundred thousand dollars an episode to maybe two grand. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah before it got all yeah. Because YouTube's an interesting place. I think uh, I used to work for them, and it was weird. You used to. Work I was an for accountant for a TV, for a YouTube Red show, and it's a weird place, man. YouTube's odd. Like, yeah, they're they're desperately trying to be Google. They're owned by Google, right? And they're desperately trying to be Google. Um, and it's like they got all the bad parts of Google and none of the good parts. Oh man, none of the innovation <laughs> the, and I mean, coolness. I, I just, I wish them being as an adult. I'm talking to you two, I can tell when you're saying something to be funny or you're just being your authentic self. Yeah. And then saying something very inappropriate or wrong. Right. And, Talking from person to person, you can tell that. So if you're watching a video, which clearly always joking, and then you come across the one, you know, just happens to be this one episode that gets, you know, flagged, and then all of a sudden this person gets everything taken away from them because people don't understand it's just a joke. Yeah. Because I mean, there's a clear definition or a clear line between what's joking and what's serious, and apparently that line doesn't exist anymore. Well, it's how do you. How do you police all of that? And then uh-huh. now they have these regulations, and so if they've done it once to this thing, mm-hmm. then they have to do it to all these other. It's really that's stupid. the problem with regulations. I, I mean, it, go go talk to older comedians or comedy people, you know, people who write you know funny movies and stuff, and they all say like, it's it's the death of comedy these days. Like, wow. go talk yeah. to Terry Gilliam. Like, so Terry Jones just just passed away. One of the yeah. guys from Monty Python, right? Yep. And Terry Gilliam was talking about how like. He just he he doesn't make funny movies anymore because and he's never really made funny movies. His his directing career is very different than his mm-hmm. career on Monty Python. But like, he's like comedy is just like it's dead these days. And Mel Brooks says the same thing. I mean, you know, Mel Brooks could never make Blazing Saddles in twenty twenty. Oh, Blazing, yeah. And it's not. I I do not think it's an offensive movie. I think it's a very well crafted movie that makes fun of all of these racist tropes. But people are very sensitive these days yeah well i mean like one of the clearest examples you know for now you know for recently with uh dave chappelle uh sticks and, stones, yeah. sticks and stones yeah but he just won a grammy yeah wait like, did he just make another 
comedy special nah. after the two the, that he released on one day? Or is most, no, yeah, you haven't one. seen that one? The no, six he has another oh, one. Okay, it, it, is pheno- it is phenomenally hilarious. Batman is so Maybe. talented. It, it is incredible, right? It, it is well, his best special I've seen. Oh, okay, this, you know, I, from what I hear, if you go into like Rotten Tomatoes when it first came oh, out, yeah, was... they had they 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 had selected like a very small group of uh, critics, you know, film critics. critics. They gave them zero. To be like. Woke critics, whatever that means. It's just you probably know all about film critics too. Oh, I would love to spend five minutes on that. They gave him a zero percent and just just trashed it up and down. But as soon as they opened up to a opened up to the public, within five minutes it was ninety nine percent. Yeah, eighty thousand reviews, ninety nine percent. It was awesome. No one has anything bad to say about it. Even even the person he talked about in the special. Yeah. The 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 trans woman. Yeah. It's she, like, she loves the, him. And the crazy thing hilarious. is like... He gets on Twitter and says this is one of his best specials. It's beautiful. And the, the thing too is like when you watch the special on Netflix, if you could just didn't press play or do anything else, the next thing was a 30-minute Q&A that he had. Yeah. And oh. so when you watch that, he talks about all of his jokes after his set to talk through all the different things. And he brings up that trans woman that you're talking about. It is, bro, it, it is... I died so hard at that special. So I watched it multiple times. Ah, how to check it out. His, his speech at the um, the Kennedy Center Awards. I didn't hear that either. Yeah. But he won the grant. He won a Grammy though. Because everyone amazing. he it was a revolutionary. I think what he did in that spot really kind of turned some tides in our culture a little bit. That's good. That's good. I'll have to check it out. I'm excited. Because yeah. I think you're right. There was a lot of for but we're tired of that. That's why Trump's Somewhat is why he's yeah. elected because we're ti- we're ti- we're t- yeah. they people are tired of this. Yes. Kind of that's PC the thing. I even, like, my dad is a huge Trump supporter, yeah. and I've been talking about this. the reason, like, the thing that made Trump president. It, it didn't. It didn't have to have been Trump. It could have been anybody. Yeah. People just wanted change, because it was the same. They just wanted to say screw the system. They just said screw the system. Yeah. I'm done with. There was, it was such a, a large group of people that decided, like, I don't want to be. You know essentially pissed on anymore. Yeah. So they would have gone for anything. Yeah. However crazy it was. And if only was Rage crazy. Against the Machine was still popular. Yeah. <laughs> we just would have all listened to that and felt good about ourselves. Right. I do love a little Rage Against the Machine. I love Rage Against the Machine. Uh, five minutes on film critics. Yeah, so film critics. Okay, so I believe that if um, Roger Ebert had not passed away, the Marvel Cinematic Universe would not exist. Ooh. Here's my thought on that. So Roger Ebert, is the epitome of a film critic, okay? He is a man who spent his entire life learning about the craft of movies. He was an expert. He understood the technical side. He understood acting. He understood all that stuff. He couldn't necessarily do it all himself. I would love to have seen a movie directed by Roger Ebert, but like, he understood how it all worked, right? And his reviews were substantive. If you read a review about a Roger Ebert movie, you understood what the movie was about. I've, I've been recently going back and reading, whenever I watch an older movie that would have been around when he wrote reviews, I'll go and read the review. And it's just so fascinating to see how he talks about it. Like he, he gets into it in depth and he understands like what a movie is. And there were lots of critics like that. I mean, Roger Ebert and, um, sorry, he is Roger Ebert. Uh, Roper. What's Roper's first name? Oh. Is it Roger as well? No, it's not Roger. Sure. It's, um, shoot. Anyway, there was Siskel, there's Gene Siskel, there's Roper, there were all these guys, there's um, uh, Malton, Leonard Malton, right? These genius, genius film critics, right? They went to school, they learned about the art of storytelling, of art, and they wrote substantive reviews, and people paid attention to them. People would read 
the reviews that Roger Ebert said, and they would go, oh, Roger Ebert, he's the voice of like what a good movie is. And they would read that and go, I want to go see this movie, right? And Roger Ebert was not the kind of guy to get swayed by anything. So fast forward to today, where the way Rotten Tomatoes works, it's not like anyone can be a critic, right? You know, you have to have a big following. I can't remember the exact numbers are, but you have to have a certain amount of like unique page hits a day and a week to be a critic that can review a movie on Rotten Tomatoes. And, and to be fair too, something I recently learned about Rotten Tomatoes that really helped me is all they're saying is see this movie or don't see this movie. Thumbs yeah. up, thumbs down. They're not passing judgment on how good it is or how bad it is. Rotten Tomatoes isn't. The critic is. But all they're doing is looking at that critic and going, did the critic like the movie or did they not like the movie? And then it's just a flat yes or no, right? And that's how they make their percentages. I think it's flawed, but it's good to know that as opposed to, you know. But anyway. Normally, if I get if I look up a review on Rotten Tomatoes, if it's a bad review, I'll go and watch the movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I, I don't... Critics in general, I I think they're well. You can crowdsource. I think they're annoying and obnoxious. I mean, apart from you know Roger, the, those, and those guys, guys, yeah. Like I, you can respect their point of view because they were they were unbiased. And yes. Like, yes. Does this movie have the qualifications to be a good movie or not? Yes, exactly. But I mean, when that's not there, it's just somebody. That's their opinion, and like, if they, let's say a movie gets twelve percent of Rotten Tomatoes, and I watch it, and it's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, why would and you? Even if it isn't others? a good movie, if it's a good movie to me, that's all that matters. Yeah, oh well, yeah, for sure. No, for in one respect, it just matters if you like it, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's another respect of do you enjoy the movie? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy the? Is is the movie well made, right? And here's the thing: in the modern age, most critics are online bloggers, right? And so they're all about the page clicks. Yes, and the way you get page clicks is being controversial, right? You you say the new Star Wars movie sucks, but then the new Star Wars movie comes out, and everyone thinks Star Wars sucks. So now you say the new Star Wars movie is amazing, right? And you just you say whatever is controversial enough to get enough page clicks, right? Mm-hmm. These the opposite of what exactly these people are not professional critics. They are not people who have studied filmmaking, understand how to tell a good story, understand it's based what on like their art is. It's completely based on the audience. Which is then manipulated by how they review. Exactly. And the other problem is the average person, right, can easily be swayed by celebrity, by popular culture. So Aquaman to me is the perfect example. Okay. Aquaman is a movie. It's not not bad. It's not a terrible movie. movie. There's nothing wrong with it, right? Okay. And Jason Momoa is not a bad actor, right? He gets cast in a lot of roles that are shallow because he's handsome. He's hot. And he's charming, right? I mean, it's the same thing with The Rock. Dwayne Johnson is a talented actor, but Dwayne Johnson is so charming and so handsome that he just get cast in big leading roles that don't matter. I mean, it's Brad Pitt's dilemma. Brad Pitt is a leading man stuck in a character actor stuck in a leading man's body, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. He's so talented, but he's so handsome. No one ever ta- casts him in good roles. They cast him in very shallow, puffy roles that everyone can enjoy, right? Yeah. And so Aquaman, are you disagreeing? Well, no, no. I mean, like, I agree with you because the what was that last movie? The one he just won the award. Uh, are you Brad Pitt? Yeah, Once Upon a Time oh, in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how you describe him. I mean, the movie. I loved that movie. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic, but that's the best way to describe Brad Pitt. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, the also, problem... Also, don't cancel me, because I voted for Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. And I will do it again. I promise. <laughs> but no, so... Did you just write his name in? Huh? Yeah. Just, yeah. Amazing. Um, the issue with modern critics is Jason Momoa is cool. Jason Momoa is handsome. Even 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 straight dudes 
find Jason Momoa handsome and winsome and charming, and they're interested in him and they want to see him and stuff because he's so cool. Too. See, yep. right? Roger Ebert would never be swayed by Jason Momoa. Right? If Jason Momoa gave a good performance, he would say, that's a good performance. I like it. You should go see it. If he gave a bad performance, he'd be like, eh, wasn't really that good. It's fluffy, you know, Hollywood blockbuster garbage. If you want to have fun on a Friday night, great, but it's really not that good of a movie, right? But the average critic who lives at home, their job is to write a blog, they, you know, they're going to be swayed by that. One, not to broadbush, but one, these people are probably fans of comics of pop culture of you know more nerdy things right which roger ebert was not um so they're going to be biased towards that and two they're just they're kind of following the tide of whatever's popular they're, they're no longer taste makers they are reporters on taste right roger ebert was a taste maker well, yeah that's, yeah that's so yeah the problem is and i have no problem with marvel movies or superhero movies they're fun they're a blast they're and some of them are are quite good they're incredibly yeah. addictive by the way, because like I said, out of all the ones I have seen, every Marvel movie, mm-hmm. I have thoroughly enjoyed. Like I would watch again. These movies are fantastic. Two of them, just which two. two. Which the two? rest of them. Yeah, which two? I'm curious. The Taika Waititi. Oh, both of them. Uh, yeah. Both Guardians. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. Not what Iron about, Man. Not what? Not Iron Man. I think that's the best one. Of that's what I was gonna say. MCU. I feel like I feel like all Marvel movies are Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first Iron Man. I, I just, you know, I couldn't listen. After the first Iron Man, they're all Iron Mans. Yeah, just over and over. I just and realized over. I've never seen Hulk. Statement. I've only seen twenty-two movies. I know he's a good actor, but I don't know how I feel about Robert Downey Jr. Mm. He's so talented. Yeah, and, but he also seems like a douche in real life. No, I, I just listened to his podcast. Have, he's great. I have a problem. Oh, on Joe Rogan. Yeah. With like, I like that podcast too. But if I can't, like, if. If I were to meet an actor in real life and he's douchey yeah. or he's just, I couldn't mesh with him, then it's it's hard for me to like their movies. Fair so enough. Like yeah. I, Fair you enough. Know, if, if, if this guy, you know, it trashes his personal life. Man, I'm so completely the opposite on that. I am, yeah. I'm the, I'm the epitome of separate the art and the artist. Like, yeah. well, I mean, like I said, I try to. Like I, I mean, love Polanski movies. I'm not, you know. I'm, you know Trash like, human, but I love Polanski movies. I don't, uh. I guess it's not necessarily something I'm proud of, but it just—it's hard for me to connect to it. Like, an, if an, an actor has just unbelievable performance, like I can get behind that performance. And this movie's amazing, but if I know that that dude is also a really shitty person, it's hard for me to be 100% behind that person. For sure. No, I understand that. And that's a, that's yeah. a pretty typical thing. Mm-hmm. But 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 again, to go back to the whole Roger Ebert thing, he was not like that. He could say, that person gave a good performance. That director directed this movie well. You know, This movie is well edited. This movie is well shot. Completely apart from anything else. He was the ultimate person that could remove himself and his experience and just say, was this movie objectively good or objectively bad? Based right? on that one individual experience he had. Exactly. Right yeah. yeah. And, and also, it was amazing. Well, I, I feel this way because my mom didn't give me books to read as a child. She gave me Us Weekly. Nice. <laughs> nice. So you read all about, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. I know yeah. Robert all about their downfalls. And yeah. their, you know. Side note. Yeah. Brittany, Brittany 2007 was Ooh, an interesting moment. I was about to ask about that. I was about to ask that. When she shaved her hair. Oh, oh, oh my man. Goodness. Side note, the whole thought that like Hollywood actors are all crazy people who like, you know, do drugs and have six marriages and all that is 
a stereotype born out of the 1950s. So our parents, who all think that of modern actors, it's because actors of their generation did that. Most actors these days are pretty normal people. There's look, the occasional Johnny Depp. Yeah, look at uh, William H Macy and Felicity Huffman. He stood by his woman even <laughs> when she went to prison. Oh man. Did you hear about her hiring a prison coach yeah. to teach her about prison lingo oh, and no. how to survive? I feel like there's a movie about that. There is. <laughs> get hard. I'm sure. Get oh, hard. yeah, Get Hard. Yeah. Oh, Get Hard is so bad. Uh, uh, another, okay, are you familiar with Eaton Cohen? No. Okay, so you're familiar with Joel and Ethan Cohen, correct? Yes, the Cohen, the Cohen brothers. brothers. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. There is a gentleman named Eaton Cohen. He is, he's very hit or miss. He can write some great movies. He wrote Step Brothers. Oh, I like He Step helped Brothers. write Tropic Thunder, which is Ooh, the I reason love. I got into filmmaking. Tropic okay? Thunder is so good. Tropic Thunder is a masterpiece. It's the best modern comedy of all time, in my opinion. Like, since the, since the 70s, there hasn't uh, been a good comedy for the most part. Yeah, Tropic Napoleon Thunder Dynamite? Is, it's fine. There's nothing okay. wrong with Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. I wouldn't say it's a straight comedy. Okay. That's I a, did not like Napoleon Dynamite. Wow. Mm. Hot take. I, here's the thing. I like parts of Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. I like characters in Napoleon Dynamite, I couldn't physically sit through that whole movie and say, I really enjoyed it, because you, there's this whole part... It wasn't me. what I was expecting, and yeah. that's why I loved it You so better much. tell me you like the scene where he drove over the Tupperware. Oh, we yeah. claimed that that thing was indestructible, and then it just drove. explodes. I don't know how I ever laughed harder in the movie. I, here's good. the thing. I loved all of the characters of Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite himself, I just... <laughs> John. It reminded John me Peter. of it Peter, reminded yeah. me of somebody I went to high school with, Ooh. and every time I seen him on the screen, I just wanted to punch through the screen. Oh my god! Hilarious, hilarious. What do you think of uh, Natural Libre? You're not a fan. I haven't of seen it. I I saw the first twenty minutes. I wasn't a big fan. Movie. I never finished it. One of my. I'd like to try movies. it out most, as an adult. Most of the way I speak as a human being this from comes from, from that and Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. We watched Bruce Almighty last year, I like and he suddenly Almighty. realized like all his comedy comes from Bruce Almighty. <laughs> I love when that happens when you realize, oh wow, this had such an impact on me. Like, there's two movies that like it hit me recently. I was like, oh, because those have such an impact on because me. of Natural Libre. Every time I put on a new pair of pants, I can squeeze my butt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I squeeze my butt today thinking about that too. Like, <laughs> These oh, are my stretchy. recreational pants. No stretchy oh, pants, boy. Right? No. Um, uh, Hot Rod, Natural Libre. Those oh, are the two. Hot Rod. The funniest comedy ever made, in Ooh. my opinion. I like so I love Tropic Thunder. I don't know if it's the best. It's so good though. It's so good. It broke so many things. It's so quotable. It's so brave. Stereotype. It's like Listen. it is. It will be the Blazing Saddles of our generation. Yes, it will. I it think will. you're right. You're, yeah. you're saying Tropic Thunder will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm just saying because a hot rod, I can look you in the eye, press our fists together, and tell you. May your hammer be mighty. <laughs> I've only watched yeah. Hot Rod once. I oh, watched shit. it, hated it, and then about four hours later, all the jokes suddenly hit me. And I was like, this is, this is great. It's a slow hitter. Yeah. I love it. It really it's, is. Yeah. yeah, that's been the experience of like everyone I know who watched it. They like, hated it, movies, and then they loved it. The first time, I wasn't a huge fan either. The second time, and then the third, fourth, oh, fifth, and sixth so time, I've grown to love it, the- and it's a part of my family, and I want it. To make it my wife. <laughs> wow. The, if I like, could marry a DVD, uh, it would be, be hot, rod. hot Rod. Wow. Fair That's be- better than most people's uh, DVDs that they want to marry. Uh, so. because, uh, because of that movie, I have had a serious obsession with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Ooh, Brooklyn good Nine-Nine's good. Andy well. Samberg is a very talented yeah. dude. Excellent. Yeah, I like, I like him a lot. He, I was listening to all of his old Lonely Island stuff. Lonely, oh, Island, so is, Lonely Island is a thing. Because like, think about it. Other than Weird Al, who does funny music? 
No one. Yeah. And Little Dicky. Lonely Island. Eh, kind of. Yeah. 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 Even though it's funny, whereas yeah. Weird Al, like he is incredibly talented. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, but most of his music yeah. is only fun because it's funny. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whereas Little Dicky, his music's just fun, and yeah. then it's also funny at times. It's not always. Right. You know. Yeah. But like the Lonely Island comes along, and they make music that's like like Weird Al, just R-rated. Yeah. And I, it's hilarious. Yeah. I almost said Macklemore, but it's like yeah. Macklemore's like kind of like Little Dicky. The song that made him popular was. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's funny. It's just relatable. Relatable, and I think he, goofy. He made yeah. a rap song about being poor. Yeah, which is which, hilarious yeah. because yeah. raps about being my, a baller. Uh, popularity in high school, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was pretty good, but he does all. Then he did all of his like really intense stuff about you know, and so he's kind of kind of all over the place. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's he is severely underrated. Unfortunately, yeah. no one likes him anymore because he doesn't write party music anymore. Yeah. But his his later stuff is so good. Have yeah. you ever listened to Light Tunnels? It's off of it's off of uh, the Sun Really Mess I Made. His, his second mm-hmm. big studio albums because he had two EPs. They were yeah. amazing, but no one knew about them. And then he wrote the Heist, and everyone that's when people found out yeah. about him. Right? He wins his Grammys. He's he's huge. Um, and then he comes out with this unreally mess I made, and there's like one party song on it. And it's kind of dumb, so no one really was into it. What's the party? The, the uh, downtown. Downtown. Also, also the um, uh, the one with Idris Elba. Is that Brad Pitt? No, it's uh, Brad Pitt's kind of a party song. It's um, it's uh, shoot, but he he gets in like a dance battle with Idris Elba. Oh right, dance off. It sounds like a dance off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are like the only party songs, and they're not that good. Honestly, his, they're like the worst songs in the album. My favorite song of his is "Need to Know" him and Chance the Rapper. Yeah, it's a good one. Song. Uh, my oh my, makes me get, makes me, me cry every sure. time. Was that my oh my? my, oh my is makes a good me one cry too. every time. But my point is, like, he started make he went back to his roots. That's what the EPs were like. His EPs were like serious music. There was the occasional funny song, but like for the most part, pretty intense stuff, right? And he wasn't popular until he writes. Yeah. And then everyone loves him, right? And that's fine. I mean, that's what everyone is. Everyone has to write something that's more that appeals to the masses and everyone loves him. I mean, Taika Taika was not a popular director until he directed Guardians, right? What we do in the shadows is infinitely better than than Guardians, but no one liked it because it was a little too esoteric. But who's okay, so I recently watched he did like when he first started out, I don't know how many films in that was, but I boy. What it's called? I think that might have been it was his first like, movie. It was like watching Gardens of the Galaxy, or uh, not Gardens of the Galaxy, uh, Thor Ragnarok. I okay, mean, it, was, it was the same type of humor, but it was like it was like he made this movie with a thousand bucks. Yeah, I mm. mean there was, but it was the movie was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Like I had to go, I had to go through like this weird off channel to this uh, subscription ser- uh, service that I don't think exists anymore just to watch it. And it was, I mean, the movie blew me away. I dread the day when I don't have to think about money when I make a movie because constraints are the, are the birthplace of good art. Mm. All gold, everything. <laughs> I can't remember which director said it, but some These director beats, said that, like, that, uh, that good art is made out of limitations. Like when you have no limitations, I mean, that's the problem with a lot of Marvel movies. I am I, not saying anything wrong about Marvel movies. They're fine. Yeah. They're great. Or Star Wars movies. Or Star Wars but when you have unlimited when money, you, the first you can three, do anything. The first three Star Wars are just like, how? And Especially this is the first two. I mean, I, I like Jar Jar Jedi. Or die. 
I like Jar Jar. I like Jar Jar. I was a Jar Jar. I'm a prequel fan. I'm yeah. a prequel fan. I'm a prequel fan too. There was still the full, the full, full Star Wars vibe. Yes, the vibe yes. was still there. Yes. The vibe was still there. The vibe's gone. Here's I have I've sorry. recently realized the problem with Star Wars is they they got rid of ILM Industrial Lights and Magic. So they were the company that did all of the models for the original Star Wars movies. Okay. Incredible, right? Back before we could do CGI, yeah. we've got these actual model ships, right? They were still involved in the prequels. Everyone thinks the prequels were all CGI, right? Episode 1 was the first movie shot on digital, fully on digital, which is crazy. Right, 1999. Crazy. Yeah. That's when everyone's still shooting on film, right? Yeah. Um, well, they still had them. Like, the pod racers were still, like, models. Yes. They weren't. I mean, the, the audience at the pod race was all practical. It was... Q-tips with different colors, and then they blew a fan under them to make them move. Well, oh, even, wow. Even, like, the Jar Jar Binks character himself, yes, he was largely animated, but... Some. It, it was a dude with, like, his face was... I'm at best. ...of Jar Jar Binks, wow. and they animated the mouth and covered the face, but other than that, that was all him. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, so much of the prequels is practical. People don't realize that. People think it's all CGI, but it's so practical. I mean, there's so many practical things in it. All Theed, the city Theed, yeah. was all built practically. The 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 Queen Amidala's spaceship, that big giant chrome spaceship. Yeah. I recently I got to see last year. I got to go to a uh, an ILM. It was a panel at Star Wars Celebration. It was all the guys who founded ILM, um, and they talked about it. It was like 24 feet long, and they had to get it chromed and like they built these things, right? Well, all of Mos Eisley. That was all. Yes, the new yeah. Star Wars movies. All CGI. Yeah. To me, that's what kills the heart of Star Wars because everything looks fake. I don't care how good CGI is. It never is, at least for now, it's not going to look as good as practical effects. Personally, I have no problem with CGI. I think that's just, that's how the times go. It's a tool. If you want, if if I'm watching a movie and in the, I forget which one it is, but the, where uh, Luke gets pushed into that like cave and he has to fight that giant. Five. The giant monster thing. What's that called? Oh, the, oh, not six. The the, yeah. uh, the rancor. Yeah. The rancor, right? Yeah. That the looked like a great. claymation mess, right? Yeah. If they had CGI at the time and made it halfway realistic, it would have been, you know, yeah. I think more impactful to me because, like, I watch old movies and you see like the yeah. the practical effect. Yeah, it's cool that it's practical, but also this looks so fake. Yeah. I can't like yeah. I don't feel what they're trying to express in here. So CGI, but I don't at have that a problem. Time, with, but I do have to admit, the last three Star Wars movies have just been. A, I don't know. You can. It feels like I'm watching a Disney movie, and yeah. it just it's yes. taken. It's taking all the of Star the, like, Wars essence is gone, dude. Disney it's, has the story. A... The story disappeared, and the st- nostalgia is what replaced it. Yep. Yeah. Is it, like, yep. But two movies. Hey, guess what? It's not a Death Star. It's a Death Planet. Oh, hey, here's another one. Yeah. Two movies. Why? Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many yeah. movies have there been? Nine? Nine. Yeah. Nine Eleven, movies? if you count. Eleven, Eleven movies. Two. Han Solo and How many other. times have they mentioned fucking oh, sorry, Death? Sorry, whatever? sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Twelve, if you count the Ewok movie made in 1986. Oh, right. well, what about the Christmas special? It's Christmas special. Thirteen. Actually, there were two Ewok movies, so fourteen. And fifteen, there was an animated uh, Clone Wars movie. Oh, that was, yeah. 15 Star Wars movies. George Lucas yeah. has too much shows. money. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the Christmas special? No, I haven't. Is it awful? Uh, is it good? It's the greatest thing ever. It's a, it's terrible, but it is a variety show as Star Wars. It was, I mean, all the cast is in it. I mean, Han Solo's in it, like Luke, Le- no Leia way. sings. There is a scene. It's about Chewbacca. The movie's about Chewbacca. It's him trying to get home to his family for Christmas. For, for sorry, for, for Life Day? Is that what called? Life Day? Right, so. Life Day. There are entire scenes that are minutes long where it's Wookiees talking, 
in Wookiee with no subtitles. No. Yes. Uh, yes. It's also who, the first time we see Boba Fett. His like actual face? Yeah. Face reveal? Well, no, no, no. But like, it's the uh, first time we see him before episode five because it came out between episodes four and five. The only oh, thing wow. that has redeemed Star Wars to me is the Mandalorian. That television. Because it... I haven't seen it. I don't know. If Always wanted a live action. I don't even know if this is how they meant it, but it reminds me so much of the you know, the original two and three. Oh, yeah. one, two, and three. Now four, five, and six. Three. Oh, interesting. To, to me, it does. Just the the feel, especially when like when they're in the desert areas. Oh yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. It just it reminds me so much of the you know number one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. What's what's your favorite movie? Watchmen. Really? Yep. That was easy for you to favorite. come. I, I know my top three. After that, I know my top ten, but my top three I know in order. After that, it goes away. What's your top three then? Top three, that, then The Dark Knight, then Blazing Saddles. What's do you, What would you say your top three? I, I or do you have I a, don't know if I could comprehend because I watch so much. That man watches like one to two movies a day. Like we, literally, we play a movie, or play a movie. We play a game at the house where or it's called I've Seen It. Because we've just seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it. Wow. She's seen almost everything on Amazon right now. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. For a long time, it was... you ever seen Perks of Being a Wildflower? Yeah. That's a great so movie. That, that one was for a long time. But then, I don't know. Like, Joker was pretty fantastic. I liked the The movie Joker. we just went and seen, if I hadn't the Gentleman's seen un- up there. Oh, too. The Gentleman's good. If the I hadn't seen Uncut Gems, fantastic. Joker would have been my favorite movie of 2019. Uncut Gems? I haven't there, seen that. There's Uncut Gems so is many, the best movie of 2019. There's been so many gems that have been released just in the past year that I honestly don't know. If yes, so that's favorite. the thing. People like to say that like cinema's dead and like you know good movies haven't been made in a while, but like there are some amazing movies coming out. You just have to look for them. The problem is people can't afford to go see... 50 movies a year, right? right? You know, I mean, fortunately, Phil and I are people who that's our hobby. Our hobby is going to see movies. So, like, that's what we spend our money on. We don't, you know, we don't spend money on other things. We don't buy video games. We don't, you know, whatever. Nothing wrong with those, but the, mm-hmm. our hobby is seeing movies. So, we do probably see 50 movies in theaters right. a year I mean, or I've more. Got, 50 I've to got 100 Netflix, movies a year. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, HBO. HBO. Now. Now. Yeah. Wow. Like, we have everything, right? So, we see hundreds Except of movies Showtime, a year. Because Showtime. Can suck a butt. <laughs> Showtime's had a couple good shows over their life. Um, no, Showtime has this problem where they release some of the greatest television I've ever seen, and then they stop it after one season because nobody yeah. watches Showtime because well, they don't have the money. Yeah, yeah. Um, nobody watches it because no one can afford a Showtime subscription because you're trash. You're trash people, and you don't deserve the content that you have. <laughs> Just remember, Stars also exists. Uh, Stars yeah. is rough too. Listen, Spike. There's a television. Spike. Spike is another thing. There's a there's a television show on Showtime called Roadies. Huh. That is the best television show I have ever seen Roadies. in my entire life. They one stopped season. it after one season. Roadies was perfect it because nobody wants on Showtime. <laughs> Roadies is perfect. Roadies is. Have you is seen The Wire? The Wire? I no, I haven't watched it yet. See, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, watch not, it. I'm not a crime drama guy. I love crime. That's why I think I'd like The Wire. The just haven't had time. So good. It's HBO, right? Yes, it's yeah. so good. It's yeah, so I, good. I love HBO. HBO, okay, here's the... Okay, so Netflix... <sighs> I'm more of a rom-com guy. Netflix oh, okay. makes right. 100 shows a year and expects you to sort through what's good, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is, there is no quality control for Netflix. Some shows are great. Some shows are terrible. Have you ever seen the South Park episode where they joke about that? Where they're like, hello, this is Netflix. You're greenlit. Who am I speaking to? <laughs> yeah, right? That's a thing. Netflix makes everything, here's, right? Here's the thing. They do that, but if you can if you can sort through all the bullshit, you'll find a gem, like some one-star movie that no one's ever heard of that just yep. barely squeaked its way into Netflix that is 
awesome incredible television yeah. yeah but just like the only reason anyone's ever seen it is because it just randomly popped up on well and here's the thing i will always have a special place in my heart for netflix because they created online content yeah without orange and the new black and house of cards we would not have original online only tv shows we wouldn't have them so I appreciate that. But Netflix makes a hundred shows and movies a year, right? They just try to drown us in content because they realize what they, what they realized is streaming is not expensive, right? It's easy to set up a website and stream your content and everyone's going to do it. Next year, they lose The Office. That's a huge thing. I mean, yeah. I don't the pay for Netflix. and friends. And friends. I don't pay yeah. for Netflix. I use Phil's Netflix. If I had to pay for Netflix myself, I would be canceling once once The Office is gone. Yeah, that's, that's all you watch. I mean, I only would have Netflix for the TV shows that I don't want to have to buy the season's $50 a piece, right? So they're trying to make as much content as possible to keep their subscribers because they know the end is coming. Like, yeah. all of their licensed content is going away in the but next couple of years. Here's the thing. Because of like such a like an influx of you know content that comes through Netflix they I mean they it's a it's pretty hit and miss but they I mean the, as, as far as like just original Netflix content they have some incredible show like sex they education do. yeah no they have great shows this is the best soundtrack I have ever heard on a television show no they do they do make great things Same thing. and I just I just finished the First season of it's called You. You is great. Oh, it's good yeah. too. But the difference is, you go to HBO, you pay a little bit more. They make six to ten shows a season, and they're all good. They're not all for you, okay? Mm-hmm. So like, there's this show called Euphoria. It's not for me. It's about a Game 16-year-old. of Thrones can burn in hell where it belongs. Oh my! Oh, Game my. of Thrones. That everything you said to this point will not get you canceled. That's going to get you canceled. No, no, no. <laughs> I think people agree with that. Game no, of Thrones no, no, no. was I the most. I wasted eight years of my life. No, I didn't I'm finish. Talking... It. I only watched season five. I'm it was the most seven. culturally impactful show of all time. Seven seasons plus what? What was it? how many episodes were in the last season? Six, and, the, Six. and season so seven was seven only seven episodes. And five episodes Six. were some of the greatest television I have ever seen. Yeah, I was so involved in that show, yeah. and they just what they did was they took their pants off, squatted over me, and pooped in my mouth. Here's the thing, okay? So I don't know how Benioff and Weiss got that show because they are not good writers. Wise David Wise has not done a lot of stuff. David Benioff has wrote gems such as. Uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine Gemini Man like that's the sort of thing he writes that's fine if you like you know if you like fun if you like fun you know mindless action movies there's nothing wrong with that like I'm not gonna tell you you can't enjoy those yeah but it's no Game of Thrones so uh, the only reason that show was good for five seasons was because they had some of the best source material yeah. ever to well, adapt and the first seasons are literally line for line from the book because yeah, well, i've read the books also and it was, oh wow I, okay it was line for line when i was so what i did is i watched the first couple of, uh seasons i'm like i love this i'm gonna get into the books and i'm reading okay. the first book and i'm like i'm just hearing those actors mm-hmm. talk yeah i'm literally re-watching it in my brain because i'm that's why beautiful. i couldn't get into the books because i was i started reading the first and i'm like I've already seen this. That's, yeah. that, that is my biggest pet peeve, peeve, peeve of all time. Because, I mean, not, not so much anymore, but I'm a relatively pretty avid reader. So if I come across a series of books and I'm like, 
this needs to be a movie. And then somewhere a few years down the line, it becomes a movie. And they don't follow the source material uh, at all. Aragon. What, what's the point? What was it? Aragon. Yes. <laughs> oh, those books are so good. Oh, those books are so good. I got so into this. Like you know, this is the you know small child in me. Uh, that's all right. There's a. I don't know if you remember. It was called I Am Number Four. It's like mm-hmm. aliens. It's a weird. It's it's yeah. A, it's a book for young. Children. I remember the movie. It's I don't remember the books. Sorry, yeah, it's a young adult. Movie. Nothing wrong with young adult. Good books. Harry Ten Potter is young adult. Excellent books. There are ten books. There are ten books, and they like it. Like reopened this like this feeling I had when I watched or when I uh, when the Harry Potter books first came out. Like I couldn't. I mean, I was like I couldn't sleep waiting for the next book to come out. Yeah. Like it reassured, that, and then they made a movie, like a movie from the first book. Hired a bunch of like, you know, hot sixteen yeah, year olds. Hot at the you know like hot at the time actors. That and then it just like it just fizzled out. So like it had this opportunity to make like most of the time if I read a book really gets into what really gets me into it is like knowing that this could this could be an incredible movie. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then when it finally with comes imagination, about and they, and they just they shit the bed basically. Yeah. I hate that. The hate imagination that so I have from this book and it's just sparking yeah. all these thoughts mm-hmm. is going to be amazing when I watch it. Mm-hmm. This, this is why I didn't. Hundred percent hate the like the the Mockingjay movies. Oh, okay, yeah, because Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Like, they did a good job with the, those. The book, the first book was pretty great. The second yeah. book wasn't terrible. The third book was a waste of paper. But they <laughs> they somehow they somehow managed to make a halfway decent you know movie. movie. I don't agree with the splitting it into two parts, but they Harry Pottered it. Yeah, they Harry Potter. They Harry Pottered it. They Hobbited it. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> Can we talk about the Hobbit for three minutes? Okay. All right. All right. I have so many things I still want Guillermo, to talk about. Guillermo del Toro. I, yeah, I'm sorry. No, you, what were you going to say? No. Uh, when they, the, the first three movies, when you, you let me the like uh, Lord of the Rings series. Did it change movies, your life? They, not, they made me cry. This is the They're first perfect. movie I watched where like, I bawled. Yeah. This, this is a masterpiece. Let me go this on the record. Thing, like... Three hour long. I watch. I just watched twelve movie, like twelve hours of movie in a row. Fourteen. And my life has changed forever. And then the Hobbit comes out. Yeah. And you know. So let me go on the record by saying Watchmen is not my favorite movie. The Lord of the Rings as a, as a trilogy is the greatest work of art of all time. It's just not fair to even count it when I count my favorite movies. Okay. So the Hobbit. Peter Jackson can get it. Peter Jackson (laughs) is probably the greatest director to ever live. Okay. Peter Jackson, I'm so sad. Okay, Guillermo del Toro, I like him. He makes some good movies. Pan's Labyrinth is really good. Crimson yeah. Peak is incredibly underrated because it was marketed as a horror Shape movie. Of water? And it's not. I don't like The Shape of Water. Come on, dude. The Strain, great series. Forgettable, but very well made, right? Okay, Guillermo good, del Toro. Good up until the last season. Yes, Guillermo del Toro, very talented. But I hold a special hatred for him. Because he has stolen Peter Jackson from us. Because here's how The Hobbit went down. Okay, They finished Lord of the Rings. It's amazing. It's the greatest thing ever. It makes so much money. I mean, they, they're nominated and win 12 Oscars. Yeah, That's unheard of. Unheard of. Okay, It's only happened once before. I mean, it was, at the time, the greatest collection of... I mean, I don't know. Some of the best acting of all time. The fact that they never got nominated—you realize they won twelve Oscars without winning a single, without being nominated for a single acting Oscar. 
Because they couldn't pick anyone because they were all yeah, so perfect. No. Yeah, but, but, but just look at the list. I mean, uh, yeah. like they shot Ian McKellen. They shot for Orlando 468 Blue. days straight. Yeah. They somehow, somehow, Peter Jackson convinced a new line to give him money to make all three of these movies at once. They didn't make, so The Matrix did that. They made one mm. movie and then they went, wow, this is popular. Let's make two right back to back. Right. No, no. Without any market research, three movies. Knocked yeah. them out. They were perfect. They're amazing. He killed it. I don't care. God bless him, Christopher Tolkien, who just passed away, who is one of the greatest authors to ever live. He did not love the Lord of the Rings movies. That's because his dad wrote the books, and he's must not proje- prejudiced. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, They're perfect. You want, talk, you want to talk about practical effects? I mean, just look at like, yeah, they didn't built. do any CGI when they made yeah. the Hobbit. Uh, when they made those Hobbit or made them Hobbits. Yeah, yeah. That was all just camera tricks. Yes, that's incredible. My favorite thing is that they didn't just do camera tricks and practical effects. They went back to like the twenties and did effects that were back in the twenties. So like, when, do you remember that famous scene in the first movie when Gandalf rides up to Minas Tirith? He's like riding up there to go read books when he's trying to find. Okay, they did this effect that was back. It started in the twenties. It's the it's one of the coolest effects ever. They take a glass plate, they cut out the shape of like what they want to film, the actor or whatever, okay? And then they paint on the glass pane the background, and then they shoot through it. And that's how they put Minas Tirith behind him. Oh, that's crazy. It's insane. I can't even completely fathom how it works. uh, Even even with like an expert eye, you cannot tell. Gollum? Gollum is the reason... That uh, James Cameron started making Avatar. He saw the Lord of the Rings. He saw the first movie, and he went, "CGI has progressed enough that I can make Avatar." Now. So go to the Hobbit, though. So the Hobbit, yeah. Sorry. So the no, Hobbit. You're fine. Okay. So they want to make the Hobbit, and it was originally only supposed to be one movie. Guillermo del Toro was going to direct it, which is perfect. He makes fairy tales. He's great at making fairy tales, and the Hobbit is a fairy tale. It's a children's book. I mean, the Hobbit is a children's book. It's not written for adults. It's written for children. If I had one word to describe. The Hobbit yeah. movies as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> you still have a word if you want to. <laughs> so Peter Jackson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Peter Jackson was the producer, and for for people who don't understand like how films work, a producer is he's top. He's the number one person when they're making a movie. He has or she has complete control over everything. They hire the director. They hire everyone. They're not necessarily a creative person. But they have unlimited control over everything, okay? And Peter Jackson was the producer. And they hired Guillermo del Toro, the perfect person to make The Hobbit, okay? And they're going along. They're in prep. They're getting it ready. I don't know. I've never looked into. I don't know why he left, but he left. He he left the project. Guillermo del Toro left as the director, okay? This leaves Peter Jackson with a movie that is in prep. It's moving. Gears are turning. It's ready to go. There's no stopping this train. They already have a release date picked for the first movie, right? And those are expensive. Like, once you have a release date picked, if you back out on a release date, like, your movie is garbage, okay? That's happened. People back out on release dates. When they do, the movies make no money because people, they smell blood in the water. They realize this movie is not going to be good, okay? He, it's his job to hire a new director. And he's looking around and no one wants to come into this movie because it's too late in the process. There's too much going on. It's a complicated movie. There's too many practical effects. There's too many extras. There's too many moving parts. No one will come in this late. It doesn't matter how much money they pay them. They will not do it. And Peter Jackson is in the unfortunate position of having to hire a director. And he finally goes, guess I'm going to have to do it. Because if he doesn't do it, no one's going to do it. And then he's the guy sitting on a movie that no one made. 
right? And so he starts making The Hobbit. And the problem is they're behind schedule. They have to get this movie out by a certain date. And CGI is faster, right? His, his studio is Wingnut. They are the best animators in the world. They are so good. I watched it. He's, he is amazing at making documentaries about the making of his movies. He's, he's meticulous about it. He makes, you know, huge, big budget production documentaries about everything he makes. He makes 30-minute video diaries every day of on set. He's incredible, right? And I watched these, and he talks about how, like, they can, like, live animate this stuff. It's incredible. But that's all they have time for. And he doesn't like it, but he knows this is all I have time for. I don't have time to do practical effects. I have to get this movie out. We have to do it. And they already have their second release date picked for the second movie, right? And they're supposed to do the Battle of the Five Armies, which is the biggest thing ever. I mean, there's nothing bigger in, in Tolkien legend than the Battle of the Five Armies. And he can't do it. He knows there's no way I'm going to be able to pull this off. I can't hire the extras. I can't do it. So he's like, look, let's make a third movie because that's the only way I'm going to have time to make this. He didn't want to make a third movie. He knew it was a cash grab, but that was the only way they were going to make this movie. And so there's literally, there's a video floating around on the internet where he apologizes to fans about how bad these movies are. He knows they're bad. Now, there are things that are his fault that I blame him for despite the time differences, right? I, I would say that I could deal with those movies if it wasn't for the scene when they're... In the first one, when they're in the buckets in that river, yep, where it just randomly it goes from footage. obvious CGI to GoPro footage of like somebody in a bucket. Yeah, like it doesn't it like if you're gonna go CGI, go all the way. Yep, you can't go back Make and forth cartoon. and then say, "Oh, hey, look, yeah. I didn't go all CGI. We're yep. good guys." I no, think that might have been the second movie, but still, your point stands. I agree. Either yeah. way, if I could see yep. Peter Jackson right now, I'd say. Pfft. Yeah, and so, but what saddens me the you most... You made me cry, but also... Not yeah. only am I sad that the Hobbit movies are garbage... Also, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. <laughs> Peter Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. Not only are the Hobbit movies garbage, and it makes me sad because that's my favorite book of... Well, second favorite book of all time, okay? And it could have been amazing. And Guillermo del Toro was the greatest director to ever live to make that movie, right? My favorite book of all time is Everybody Poops. <laughs> The children's book? Yeah. He likes simple stories. No, that makes sense. I don't read so good. (laughs) What makes me sad... Stop. We just talked about how you get... The Hobbit was so bad that it took Peter Jackson out of the game for years. The greatest director to maybe ever live didn't make movies for years. Because of how... Because of The Hobbit. Have you seen... Mortal Engines? Not Mortal Engines. See, that's the only thing Uh, he's made since The Hobbit. It was uh, bad. uh, Uh... they shall not grow old. It's like a docu. Oh yes, no, movie. it's perfect. That's phenomenal. Other than Hero Dreams of Sushi, it's my favorite documentary of all time. In fact, okay, it's my second favorite documentary of all time. The Making of is my third favorite documentary of all time. <laughs> it's incredible. It 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 is incredible. He's so good at what he does, and he's been sidelined because the Hobbit was so bad. That's so I blame Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, why I did he? Him. I wonder why he backed out. I don't know. Just spit off too much. Because he wanted to make The Shape of Water where a fish man makes sweet, sweet love to a normal lady. You know, okay, when The Shape of Water was announced, I was so excited because everyone said that it was him making a Abe Sapien movie because he always wanted to make a movie about Abe Sapien. And I can't think of the guy's name. The guy who owns the rights to Hellboy, the guy who wrote Hellboy, Mm -hmm. wouldn't give him the rights. He's like, no, I don't want to make a standalone movie about Abe Sapien. And he wouldn't give him the rights. And so everyone was saying that The Shape of Water was an unofficial Abe Sapien movie. It was... Abe Sapien, but not Abe Sapien. And then it wasn't. It was garbage. 
No. And I that's what he won an Oscar think, I for? I it was garbage, no. though. I, I mean, it was a little strange. It was. But it was a good movie. What's his name? What was the guy's name in it? I, not uh, not the, Michael the Shannon. Neighbor? No, Michael Shannon was perfect. But no, his neighbor. What was the neighbor's name? Oh, I, I can't know. think of that actor's name. He was amazing. Michael Shannon was amazing. And the woman wasn't bad. I just It was just a silly story, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, the story was silly. But, I mean, it looked beautiful. I mean, it was well shot. Every Del Toro movie looks beautiful. I mean, the, the, the concept was strange. But I wouldn't necessarily say that strange means bad. No, no. Every movie he makes is strange. Yeah. I oh, just yeah. couldn't get behind well, like it. Like the, uh, the Pan's Labyrinth, which was all in, was it French or Spanish? Spanish. He should have won an Oscar for Pan's Labyrinth. But it was in Spanish. He so shouldn't have won an Oscar for The Shape of Water. That's my opinion. And I don't know. There's nothing. I have a special attachment to when she explains... <laughs> How, how he does his thing and she opens up and then it comes out. I am happy that Octavia Spector is in it too. She's a great actress. I will watch anything Octavia she's in. Octavia Spencer. Spector, right? Spector. Spencer. Spencer? Oh, is it Spencer? I think it's Spencer. I thought Spector. I don't know. She's amazing. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, I just recently watched The Help. She's it's in. so good. Oh my goodness. The Help made me cry. She's Have you seen it? No. Actress. Viola Davis. I, I often forget about Viola Davis because she's not as mainstream as some other actresses. But I think she's the best actress alive right now. Oh, yeah. She is so talented. There's a scene at the end of The Help where she's talking to her, this woman who, she's this incredibly racist woman who is always rude to these people. Rude is an understatement. And there's the scene where she just finally lights into the woman. She goes, you're a godless woman. And it is the best acting scene I've ever seen in my life. That's because Miss Hilly is a twat. Oh, Miss Hilly is rough. <laughs> Miss Hilly is rough. Bryce Dallas Howard is so talented in that mm-hmm. movie. That woman, gosh. That also makes it. How can someone who is in that good of a movie be in Jurassic World? Paycheck Man? I guess. Also, how does someone like Ron mm-hmm. Howard have a daughter like Bryce Dallas Howard? Ron Howard is a scary looking dude. <laughs> Bryce Howard is a. Bryce Dallas Howard look, is a beautiful woman. Look at Sylvester Stallone's daughters. I didn't know he had children. They're all smoke shows, and Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone has children. Yes, I didn't know that either. That's great. And they're all beautiful. You know, okay, Sylvester Stallone has had the most backwards career of all time because you should get better, right? Sylvester Stallone's first movie, Rocky, is amazing. (laughs) Do you know the story behind Rocky? Yeah, for yeah, dude, it's amazing. And then like sell his dog for yeah, he sold his dog, and then and then he makes Creed. Where he gets cancer but won't shave his head for the movie, so he just wears a hat after he gets cancer. <laughs> and he gets nominated for an Oscar for that. What about kid. Rambo? Rambo's were pretty good, too. I've I never seen them. Rambo. Dude, oh, those were fun. Rambo First Blood? So good. Is the when he opens his eyes, like, and, oh, man movie. If we were to say that, there was a that, gender stereotype, it would definitely yeah. be a man movie. My, that, my ex- that movie, pers- like, it was... I mean, it's different for us because we didn't grow up on that time. Yeah. But when that movie came out, that was around like that was a big part of that was being the Vietnam War. Yeah. And how much that affected the soldiers. That was like the first movie that really showed how much that war oh, affected for sure, the soldiers for sure. that came back. Yeah. No, no, I understand its cultural significance. My experience with Rambo is watching Weird Al UHF yeah. and watching him spoof Rambo. <laughs> they, uh, Charlie Sheen was in a bunch. They they made spoof versions. Of, oh, uh, uh, of Hot Shots and yeah, Hot Shots yeah. Two, Hot, Hot Shots Part Two. Those oh, movies are incredible. Oh, my, one of my favorite comedy scenes of all time two, yeah. is when he's trying to reach the keys and he's trying to grab it with his broom handle and he keeps missing and hitting the fan like turns he like keeps like shaving down the broom and then he gets the keys he's bringing it to him, he drops them 
So he steps out of the jail cell to pick the keys back up and uh, then gets back in the jail cell to unlock the door. Classic. It's one of the funniest do, like physical comedy I scenes of all time. I do have to say, before the Creed movies, I want to say, some I don't remember when that movie came out, but like the last... Like, Creed one, was 2015, I think. The, the, the last uh, Rocky, where it was actually him fighting. Rocky 6. Yeah. Uh, when it is like his son's like an adult man, and he, there's a scene where he's talking to his son, and the, the speech that he gives him is un. I mean, that was oh, also Stallone is a good actor, and, and he wrote that. Part. Oh, have yeah, you that, seen Expendables? Great writer. What? I, don't know. I mean, ha, brought ha, tears to my eyes. Have you seen Expendables? You can be a good actor and have bad performances. Okay. Right. Yeah. Did you know I was 16 before I found out Rocky was not a real person? Oh, really? I, mean, I thought Rocky was based on a real, Phil, a real boxer. Phil, the entire city of Philadelphia doesn't know he's not real. Exists on the fact that yeah. Rocky Balboa is a real person. Yeah. 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 I finally found out he wasn't real. I thought they were real, like movies about a real boxer. Yeah. See, because yeah. they actually have, like, have, they have a statue of Sylvester Stallone as Rocky on the You steps. know, Rocky was the movie that popularized the Steadicam. So the Steadicam is like the original, like, stabilization thing. It's, just, it's, all, it's all mechanical. It's amazing. It's all gears. Right, gears. It's all springs and like balancing, right? And the guy who invented it, uh, he released this video explain like that showed like demonstrations of all the different things he could do. And there were a couple movies that used it before Rocky, but Rocky was the first like movie to really like utilize the Steadicam. That scene where he runs up the stairs and then it's like you know hands up in the air. That was a Steadicam going up the stairs, which is oh, the only wow. reason anybody would like to enter the, the uh, city of Philadelphia. Was because of it's to walk uh, to run up those steps stairs. and do one of these. And then quickly leave because you will get mugged because it's Philadelphia. <laughs> Side note, the study cam, there's a great story when that video cheese, was released. The Philly cheese sacks are good, though. They are. But you can uh, get them outside of Philly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when the study cam was released, Stanley Kubrick uh, sent a letter to the guy who released the video. Because there's a, there's a part in the video where you can see a shadow of him operating it, right? And you can kind of, you can very roughly see the shape of the study cam in the, stata, in the shadow. And he wrote a letter to the guy saying, hey, you should probably cut that footage out because I could build a Steadicam off of that shadow right now. That's how good Stanley Kubrick was. He was like, I could design what you just built off of the shadow of you <laughs> holding the thing. So you should probably get rid of that before I rip you off. That's crazy. Also, you can't say that Sylvester Stallone is a bad actor. I don't think he is. Because no matter what movie he does, it will be better than the time that he was in a pornography. <laughs> That's true. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. his very first Jackie film Chan too was a pornography. Really, Jackie, Jackie Chan and Samuel Hung were also in Jackie adult Chan films. Well. Yeah. What? Yep. Jackie Chan is such a sweet guy. I know. He has t- he has kid shows. People don't like Jackie Chan because he uh, is very pro Chinese government. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Chinese government is the reason he is who exactly. He is. It's so fascinating. Go watch interviews where he talks about the difference between movies where it's a Chinese director and movies where it's an American director because he explains how like Chinese directors understand action and they understand fights fight fight correct because every Chinese kid knows how to fight because every Chinese kid has done martial arts right I don't mean to broad rush but like it's true like every yeah. Chinese kid does martial arts right yeah whereas Americans don't necessarily well you know? see because I mean I, I feel like to a certain extent maybe not as extreme as we would like to think but martial arts to them would be like our baseball Baseball. Like baseball. Yeah. It is. Yeah. No, it is. It really is. And so, yeah, he, he much prefers doing Chinese movies with Chinese directors or where he directs. He directs a lot of Chinese movies because American directors, he, he shows, like, the difference between, like, a Chinese movie does and, like, 
uh, Shanghai Noon. He loves Shanghai Noon, but like you watch the action and, and it's just not as good. Right. There's a lot of faking the action because the uh, the American actors don't know how to actually fight. He does, and the Americans don't. Whereas when he's in a Chinese movie, everyone knows how to fight. Also, Shanghai Nights was way better than Shanghai Noon. Yep. Just saying. Yep. Rush Hour Two is better than Rush Hour One. Rush Ooh. Hour, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, honestly, I Rush Hour is good, but Rush Hour is very dated. Rush Hour, Rush hour Two is, two is timeless. Yeah. yeah, he still wants to make Shanghai Dawn in Beijing. I don't know why but he stopped get, after two. He can't get the money. They don't want to make um, a movie in China. They want to make know, a movie in America. Oh, where uh, Jackie Chan lives in China, he owns a skyscraper. It's like he bought a like a, like a rundown skyscraper and built his entire house in it, and it's just full of like. Random like hidden rooms, and that's how you get up to each level and things. So it's Jackie just like, Chan, that's cool. Might Wait, be so the what, hardest working guy in movies. You said, well, uh, you see it from the B roll at the end of it. Yeah, from all the well, stuff that he well, breaks. Also, the, because he is so involved in that aspect of the movies, he he like he cannot get insured by no one will insure him. Yep. So any time, all of his like stunt people, like uh, people that work for him. He has to pay for it out of a pocket if they get injured because no one will insure him because it's so risky. That reminds me, during The Hobbit, uh, Peter Jackson personally insured Christopher Lee on the production because he was 90 years old <laughs> when they brought him in to play uh, Saruman. And, like, I mean, he was healthy, but, like, you're 90 years old. You could very easily die during production. And there's this thing, when you make a big studio movie, like my movies, I've never done this because I don't have the money, but on a big movie, you have what's called completion insurance. And that would be, let's say Phil is in a big studio movie for Warner Brothers, and Phil dies in a car accident, fifty percent through the movie, right? Or He's the lead. <laughs> He's the lead in the movie. You're right, right here first. <laughs> and they've shot half his scenes, okay? And he's the lead. What are they going to do? They can't finish, finish the movie. Yeah. They have to go reshoot all of those. That's millions of dollars. Hire right? uh, Mike Myers to finish it off in a Scottish accent. There you go. <laughs> so what they have to do, they, they, what like I said, completion insurance means that they would it would pay to cover all the reshoots if a if an actor died, right? Well. Normally, it's covering actors that are healthy and you know regularly aged, and it would be a freak accident if they died. It'd be a car accident. It'd be you know right. something crazy. Right. Christopher Lee was ninety years old, and there's a good chance he would die during production. So Peter Jackson paid the insurance premium, which means that if he if Christopher Lee did die, it would be on Peter Jackson to pay for all the reshoots of Saruman in every single scene Ooh. he was in at a cost of. Tens of millions of dollars. I mean, he has the money, but like, yeah. he was taking a huge He's risk. He's still alive, isn't he? No, he died. Did he was 93 he? when he passed away. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he passed away right after they finished the third Hobbit movie. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, you said that, uh, you said that, um, going back to Jackie Chan, yeah. I had a question. You said that he, he works heavily with the Chinese government, and the Chinese government is what made him? What he do you mean said by that? It, the Chinese government's made him, yeah, so no, that's a filth yeah. thing. It's a filth thing. It's not really. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, tell me, Phil, why... This way, this way, this way. Sorry. <laughs> I mean... Uh, second door. Second okay, cool. door. Explain, uh... I'm, I mean... As a conspiracy, this is a conspiracy. Here, but it just seems to me that... Obviously, the majority of his success comes through uh, Chinese-made movies. Okay, and that's so it, what... It would, be, it would be hard... Like, I could see that that would be... You know, obviously, our governments are different, so I mean, I, we have every right to speak out against our government. But when, when you grow up in a system like that, it would be, I, I can understand why it would be hard for him to speak out against something like that because it's the Chinese government is partially the well, reason that, why he's 
is popular. He's and it's his people. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's what he grew up in. And well, it's like nothing. I mean, he's not just a movie star over there. He's an icon. I mean, yeah. he's their Brad Pitt. Not yeah. to not to mention, I mean, the dude has like albums out. He's like a, a huge like singing phenomenon. Over oh there. really? Oh yeah. Wow. He's got a couple of records and everything. He did a Chinese version of. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's already technically a Chinese song, but uh, the uh, Mulan song. Uh, what's it called? Let's get down to business. No, he did, he did like defeat. a full Chinese version. No way. That's I did not know anyway, that. I, I mean, I'm talking out of my butt here a little bit, but I mean, but it's, yeah. it's true. So, like, I can see how it would be hard for him to speak out against the reason why he's as popular as he is, or why he has the money and the life that he has. Yeah, yeah. what he hasn't spoken out about the stuff that's been going on recently. Is that mm-hmm. kind of what people are? Talking about as far like, as I know, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know a whole lot about that. Yeah, that, that but just that's kind of the the vibe is Jackie Chan doesn't speak out about it, yeah. which makes sense. I mean, like honestly, the whole Hong Kong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole Hong Kong thing. The mm-hmm. uh, that's a, I think that's a hard situation altogether because you know because not only I mean he's a Chinese citizen. I mean he lives there. That's where his family's from. If he were to speak out against something like that. If he were so inclined to do something like that, all that would disappear. Yeah. I mean, that's his whole life. Yeah. He's he is Chinese. Yeah. So I mean, that would be like, you know, if if he were all the, you know, if the U.S. government flip flopped and all of a sudden he decided to say, you know, I don't trust the U.S. government, and then you say, all right, well, you're either going to get exiled or you'll die. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame Jackie Chan at all for yeah. his stance. I, yeah, I, I, and I don't I, know pers- Chinese politics enough yeah. to have an opinion, yeah. but per- I'm yeah. just saying I know that a lot of people don't like him because personally, of Personally, I cannot blame him. Or I find it hard for people to blame him for that or for not saying anything because he's in a position where he doesn't really have the authority to say so. Yeah. At least I agree in my 100%. Opinion. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. That's a hard situation. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be a situation that, I wanted to Are they still uh, rioting? Protesting in Hong, Hong Kong? Kong? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. I remember. Yeah. It's been, it's uh, cool it's is the wrong word because it's not cool that they're rioting. But I remember. I mean, it's pretty cool that they're rioting. I remember from day one of the protest because it was a big thing on Reddit, which I'm, I spend yeah. a lot of time on Reddit. And I remember like day one when it was like, it was 3 million people, which is over 50% of the population of Hong Kong, like shut down all the highways because they were standing on the highways protesting. And it was mm-hmm. very peaceful, like just normal. All the way to like, I remember like two months later where like protesters were gluing bricks to the streets so that police vehicles couldn't drive over and they were sawing down the security camera towers that were like, and it was crazy because they went from originally, the, the, the symbol of the protesters was umbrellas, twofold. They would hold them in front of their face to hide from the security cameras that would recognize their face and they would block pepper spray. And then it kept getting farther to like the point where they would wear these hats. They'd have a little tiny video thing on them that would project a hologram in front of their face so that, that the facial recognition cameras couldn't find them while That's they were protesting. That's crazy. It has gotten insane. Hong Kong is like a military state right now. You don't, yeah, you, you don't crazy. understand. How, well, not you, I'm just saying. Yeah, general, yeah. People don't understand how much of a, Hold the Chinese government. Well, has straight communists. So whether you can, they, they literally tell you who you get to marry, what your job is, total freedom they, that they you tell have. You how many children you're allowed yeah. to have? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, they they went from that from 
like imagine living in Goshen to next day your whole life is planned out for you. You don't have any say. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing. I mean, it's not whole whole thing start because the British finally backed off. On well, their contract ended. Yeah, the con- and so yeah, they just the they honored so, their contract. Yeah. So yeah, it, but the it people would be have like, been living under. Freedom. Do you realize that Hong Kong was a British colony until the year two thousand? It was New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine. They I, gave I, it up as a colony. I can't That's imagine crazy. what that would be like for one day, being as if you were like no, like like you said in Goshen, everything's cool, copacetic. You're living in America, and then the very next day, guess what? Now you're owned by this country, and you have to follow their laws, and half of the freedoms you have are just gone. Oh yeah, or all of them. You know. Yeah. All and of this were, money they, that you legally saved up through you know, the use of capitalism. Goodbye. Yeah. You know, you give it to us now, or, you know, too bad. You. Yeah. Or then you're tried for our prisons mm-hmm. and our rules and our things. Guys, we've done two hours. We have. This we've, is great. Yeah, we've we've gone for a minute. We, we got way off topic. No, I, it was good, though. Yeah. I, so I, I do want to know, you're working on other stuff. I am working on other stuff. Like, yeah. Can you talk yeah, about that real course. quick? And yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll yeah. wrap it up. I, yeah, I don't mean to like run no, you guys it's... late. But yeah, so, so Moondance is done. The Last Apostle is done. Um, Moondance is getting its theatrical release here in a little over a month, which is really exciting. I mean, like, what's so exciting about it is like less than 1% of movies get released in theaters. And we're not just getting... Re- like, okay, so my producer, Chase Crawford, he he was a very... Like, it was a small role, but he was in the movie Goat with James Franco, okay? Which was, like, a big movie. It, had, like, it was, like, a $4 million movie. Like, James Franco was in it. I mean, it was a big deal. It went to Sundance. That movie was released in five theaters. Wow. We already have 15. Like... That's awesome. It's really exciting. Like we're gonna be in a lot of theaters across America, um, and it's yeah, it's it's very exciting. But the next thing we're doing this summer, it's very ambitious. Um, I'm gonna be in New Orleans for almost three months, shooting three different movies, not even back to back, like simultaneously, like because they're all it's three different stories, all set at the same university, all unique all different genres but all three take place over the same five-week period at the same university so by nature characters are interacting between story to story events that happen in one event in one story impact people in another story so they're all three intertwined but they're all three unique so you can watch any three of them and understand what's going on without having seen the other two but you're going to be enriched if you've watched all three of them um and yeah that's going to be our summer that's exciting. A long time in New Orleans. Is that why you went down there recently? To, yes. Yeah. I was scouting a university and getting them on board. They've since come on board. So, yeah. Going to be in New Orleans for the whole summer shooting. Going to be movies. hot. Going to look hot. <laughs> can, hot, you, look hot. can you plug your uh, – if someone wants to see where The Last Apostle is, where so would they get that? The Last Apostle, you can buy it at lastapostle.square.site. Um and uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I'm very proud of it. And it, all, all of that credit goes to Logan Bush. He spent two years editing the movie. I helped shoot it, but he edited the thing. I mean, I, we, we, we split our responsibilities during production. And then once post came along, I was taking care of the paperwork and the logistics, and he edited the thing. So it's from the mind of Logan Bush, and he's a genius. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's The Last Apostle. If you want to follow Moondance, uh, you can watch our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash movie. 
Um, you can also check us out on IMDb. Um, it's easy to find us um, on there. You just search Moondance on IMDb. Uh, there is actually another movie from the 90s called Moondance, but you'll know it's not our movie because it's from the 90s and it has famous people in it. Not us. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so you can check that out there. Um, you can check out the company uh, at com. It's impossible to spell, but I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, Yo, good. Well, I'll try. That's got our, our previous uh, projects and our upcoming stuff there cool. and news about everything. Um, yeah, you can learn more about us, like company, all the people who work with us. But yeah, so... A lot of and when, when in Goshen, future. when is the March thirteenth through the fifteenth? At the art showing house. every night at the art house. Okay. Yep. Go so watch it. Out. I'll be there Sunday night to do a Q and A. So. Yeah, I'm sure Phil will be there as well. Talk about yeah. his experience being a driver and uh, the first AD. So. That's sick. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for coming on and and having a, a good blast. time. Just like. Talking about everything, I love it. Yeah, no, I had a good time. Follow me on Twitter. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, give shouts out. Yeah. Shouts. It's El Diabito. That's E L D I A B two E's T O. El Diabito. <laughs> I'm not as uh, as prolific on social media as I should be, so I don't have much to plug. Like I said, check out the IMDb page. Check out the website. Um, check out the store for the Last Apostle. Um, I don't post much stuff myself, so I'm not an exciting person to follow. But uh, yeah, definitely stay tuned. Uh, you know, this time next year we should have a movie for you. Three, three like, movies. Yeah, yeah, we'll parcel them out. But yeah, absolutely, we'll have three movies by next year. Next, Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bernie 2020. <laughs> we out. <laughs> we out. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another Timmons podcast. I absolutely loved just chit chatting with these guys uh had so much fun i hope you enjoyed our conversation um i just want to you know shout out um if you guys listen to this on spotify i would love a follow if you are listening on itunes you know just give me a rating um even if it's a one star you know the fact that you guys care enough to 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 post uh something is that just means a lot to me so i think that helps with me with ratings and stuff i don't know um, but it would be cool to see what your feedback is and what you guys think. So I appreciate that. Guys, thank you so much just for listening. Make sure to follow Phil on um, Phil on Twitter. I'll post his stuff below so you can find it in the show notes. And also check out the stuff Matt's doing. And a huge shout. Just go go see what he's doing over uh, for Moondance at the Art House. Um, I'll be there. I'll probably try to hit that Sunday showing. There'll be a couple of friends of mine that I'm going to go with. So uh, shoot me a DM. You know what I'm saying? Shoot me a DM and, and um, we can all sit together and hang out and watch his moon dance. And it's just cool that things are happening in Goshen. Guys, things are happening in Goshen. It's just wild. So um, I'm glad that I could just share this with you. So yeah, uh, thank you guys all for listening. I want to give a shout out to my dog who just annoyed the heck out of me for this whole every single time i do a podcast experience he annoys that guy me his name is joe he's such a good little boy and he's learning so many like new tricks and so he's doing a good job so i just want to shout him out um he's like seven and it's crazy you know they, they say you can teach old dog new tricks and it's happening just the reward system let him know that he can get a treat if he does the right thing he's looking at me now because it's a treat but um it's cool so shout out to joe even though in some of my podcasting attempts you may hear me get a little agitated with them still love them 
So, all right, guys. Yo, have a wonderful day. Have a beautiful life. Just, yeah, I hope everything that happens after listening to this podcast is a blessing. <laughs> so, all right. Catch you on the next Tim's podcast. Bye.